the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Garden. We're here live with you. I'm Veda with Palladio. Yeah, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder. Retired nurseman and administrator of face, our Facebook group, Mid South Gardening, in US in um, gardening in USDA zones. That rubbed off Six, on him. seven, and eight. It's a great, we well, did it. We great did it Facebook him. page, by the way, Mister Jim. Yeah, it's really good to screw to screw to scroll. <laughs> what is she talking? Watch language. <laughs> it's really good to scroll through and look at all the interesting things at like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, that's when I answer a lot of. Right. <laughs> I guess exactly. people are posting all night, every night. <laughs> yeah, and we're getting you know we're getting lots of from lots of queries now about trees and so forth. Had had one ye- yesterday that, um, you know, I hated to give her the bad news. You know, uh-huh. she got three or four people who told her call an arborist, call an arborist, call an arborist. And uh, so, well, but, she, but she, a lot she, of times that's not a bad idea. It, it may it, not be. Yeah, yeah. And she had just posted two pictures of the tree, so I asked her to post some leaves in. Mm-hmm. Uh, which she did, and when she did that, it was pretty obvious to me it's got bacterial leaf scorch. So, you know, it's on its way out. Um, oak tree, or what is it, Jim? It is a pin oak. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it it's had it started several years ago, and it, she, they just moved into the house, and this spring, you know, one side of it leafed out fairly well, mm-hmm. but about two-thirds of it did not. And, you know, it's got little tiny leaves at the end, and... So you can call the arbors, and he's going to come out there and go, oh, well, okay, you need to go ahead and cut this down. Yeah, and that's what I told her. I said, you know, after I gave her the bad news, I said, yeah. you know, if you want to, go to some of the university websites, compare what I've told you versus what they say. Um, and you can still call an arborist if you want, but I'd use that money to cut the tree down. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, in so, that, yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty... Depending on what the problem is, yeah, uh, you know, some things can be fixed potentially, or some things can be kind of held at bay. Some things you might as well just call Got it a day, bullet, you know. You yeah. Know. Now, and and why? Or I wonder why, Jim, we're seeing like bacterial leaf uh, scorch, like you just talked about. I mean, there had to be other factors that that brought that on well, because not every know, oak tree out there has it, of course. Yeah, you don't since they're new to the house. You don't know what the tree's been That's through, right. you know. Um, anytime a tree is stressed, it's much more likely to pick up some nasty. So, you know, if, um, if they were doing weed and feeds and stressing Mm -hmm. it out, or if, you know, there's some, if you have a professional lawn service, there are some of the post emerges that play havoc on some oaks. Mm -hmm. So um, that happens a lot. Yeah, it does. Um, so you know, it's just kind of hard to tell, but you know, the trunk of the tree looked good from what I could see, but you know, it was definitely really good foliage and really no foliage. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> you, know? you know. But I'm always one of those where, okay, if it's looking really bad this time of year, I'm just going to leave it alone, right? And at and least wait. wait and see how it flushes out the next spring. Yeah, you know? if you cut it down now, it's no good for firewood till next year anyway. Exactly, <laughs> and it's going to look dead anyway. It's going to look dead all winter. <laughs> exactly. So I always like to like give it that next, you know, that next mm-hmm. year's chance. I was over at a young lady's house. The other day, and of course, this past flash freeze that we've talked about forever, uh, she had a good bit of damage on some azaleas that were kind of lining a bed in the front of her house. And you can see where these things have been just almost cut back to a nub, you know, and they looked horrible. 
And I asked her, I said, all right, so what are you going to do about these? She said, absolutely nothing. Not at this moment anyway. And I went, so what are we waiting on? She said, waiting for next spring just to see if they do anything. And I was like, I hear you, you know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what these poles with leaves growing off of them look like. (laughs) Next spring, like all these hollies that have been just pruned to this big trunk. Oh, mine looks beautiful. Is there yeah. a problem? <laughs> right. Yours does, I <laughs> the, bet. The new totem this, pole holly. It was, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's That's that what it one. is. It's not the ones that have been cut back to the trunk. It's the totem pole. Oh, kind of like the lace leaf hibiscus. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. But, I mean, you know, I mean, to me, though, if there's decent life still in a tree or shrub, unless it's in a place where you just can't stand to look at it one more day, mm-hmm. you know, that thing's got to come out of there. But I like to say, hey, let's just, hey, let it go dormant, you know, make it through this winter, and let's just see how well they flush out next spring. Now, I think there's going to be a lot of things even next spring that people didn't take out this year. Mm-hmm. They're going to go, you know what? I'm tired of waiting on this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there comes a time where you're like, I'm done with this, you know, and let me just replace it. Yeah, I went to a, uh, well, about a month ago, I spoke to a garden club, and one of the ladies called me and said, you know, i got some real issues. She said, I've got some boxwood that really look bad in front of the house. <laughs> I've seen a lot of them. And uh, so, so I went out to her house to take a look at it, and uh, first, in first thing I notice is uh, they weren't boxwood; they were very large old Japanese hollies. I mean, darn. eat up with black root rot, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And this is another case of you know you've got a disease that's there that normally doesn't bother the plant until it gets stressed, you know. And just like Vitella hit the boxwoods, mm-hmm. you saw this black root rot hit those, you know. And then no cure, you might as well just go ahead and take them out. Mm-hmm. You know? and then, but here she is. She thought these were boxwoods probably forever. Forever. And they were the mm-hmm. little leaf, you know, uh, Korean or Japanese hollies like you're talking about. people mistake them for that, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. they, they just, there's no thorns on them. And people think hollies, they have thorns. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, but I love uh, some of these, um, you know, some of the non-thorned hollies, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know. Oh, I love Yopon. Uh, your, to me, that's one of the toughest little evergreen yeah. shrubs you can ever plant. I like Hugendorn. Hugendorn like is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But soft touch holly. Yeah, but you know, I was going to mention soft touch. You better have good drainage. Yeah, you know, the, but all of those years. are susceptible to black root rot. Mm-hmm. You know, when when years ago when when I first got in this business, somebody told me that if you plant Japanese hollies, figure about year seven or eight, mm-hmm. they're going to start dying out. And I found that to be mm-hmm. true pretty well. They um you know, if particularly in you know, as Kenneth said, if there's if there's a drainage issue, yeah, man. they get black root rot. You know, and and there is a cure. I mean, uh, the garden foss is labeled for black root rot, but you know, you'd have to spray it quite often for the rest of your life. You see, that's right. not me. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I do. I see soft touch hollies that are sort of yellow, and they're sitting in a bed where that you can see the irrigation has yeah. you so know, many in there, and then it's not draining. And they got you know four inches of mulch on top yeah, of it. Exactly. So. Yeah. But, but usually you see the you know the big four. You'll see some hella raw hollies out there, yeah. mm-hmm. which are tough as everything, but they still can get it. Yeah. Uh, Yopons, which to me are probably one of the toughest, uh, soft touch hollies, and then of course the old compacta holly, yeah. um, and they're all beautiful in their own way. But you, on all of those, and of course we say this with everything we stick in the ground, right? Mm-hmm. You better have good drainage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yopon is probably the most tolerant of all yeah. of those, and it doesn't yeah. get black root rot, right. so you don't have to worry about. That. And mine had a few little stems that were frozen back last winter. There, I mean, you hardly even knew a flash freeze came through the mid south. I like yeah. the Bordeaux Yopon Holly. B- Bordeaux's good. Yeah. I have seen a little more winter burn on Bordeaux, but I love that yeah. purple foliage when it comes out. I do it's too. spectacular. Well, you know, in central Texas, 
Um, it was Yopon Holly. So when I moved here, I'm like, I'm never planting a Yopon Holly. Yeah, so but they Yopon but they fit Holly, the bill. Um, Carissa Holly mm-hmm. and Illy Agnes mm-hmm. and Needlepoint Holly and Burford Holly. Those were the five most utilized hollies there. So when I came back, I'm like, I'm not. Because, I mean, there's way more plants in the Mid-South oh, yeah. plant. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, I was like, I'm not planting anything that I planted in Texas because there were so many more new things. But in Central Texas, there was just like a limited thing. If we didn't do any hostas, when I moved back to Memphis, I'm like, you mean there's more than two hostas? <laughs> Azaleas? Because when I left here, I was like in high school, and I did some garden with my parents. But I learned all most of the gardening stuff in Central Texas. So coming back here... And seeing all the azaleas and the boxwoods and the hostas. And so there was so much more to go with. But those things you just mentioned are tough as everything also. Yeah, they are. And, they you know, Iliagnus is one of those got that kind of silvery foliage. Um, and there's many different varieties of Iliagnus also. In fact, some of them you can't even buy in Tennessee anymore because they're deemed invasive, that's right? That's correct. Uh, but that's a tough little shrub, too. Now, I've seen that people use it as a almost as a border fence, if you will, just a green uh, shrub border uh, because it grows so fast and it's tough as everything, but not one of my favorites, I don't think. Well, I like it, you know, particularly as a background plant. If you're trying to um, block a view or something, I don't like to see it trimmed ever. Right. I like to see it that nice weeping habitat. I've never habit. seen it uh, like that, Jim. I've always seen it trimmed. I know. Yeah. Uh, there is, uh, <laughs> not far from my house, there's a medical complex type warehouse area. And they've got uh, Iliagnus hedge that must be 300 feet long, and yeah. it's sheared oh, yeah. perfectly, you know. And it goes up and down with the rise of the land here and there. <laughs> <laughs> I figure by the time you get to one end, you've got to go back and start at the other. Yeah, <laughs> That's how fast that heard. stuff grows. I, know. I knew them as things that hid the military base. Iliagnus yeah. was planted everywhere. Okay, we're going to run to a break, and y'all can give us a call, 901 260 Five nine two six, and you're listening to KWAM. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid South Garden. You can give us a call nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. You can also post questions on our Facebook Live. Uh, Mid South Gardening on, uh, like I said, Facebook, and I'm going to it right now, Miss Veda. I haven't gone to it this morning, so I apologize wow. to all of our. Texters. There could be 50 questions already, because I know everybody's up early. Uh, Jen Farmer and her husband, yes. uh, they're watching. We thank you for that. And we do have a question already from Lauren um, Sladen. She's down in uh, Savannah, Georgia. And we've talked to Lauren with we, we, her text before. So, Lauren, good morning to you. Uh, it says, good morning for Savannah, Georgia. The final plant sale of the season is today. Question, I have two young trees, a little uh, Jane Magnolia and a tulip poplar. Uh, each about three gallon size. They have been in the ground for about a year and aren't in the right spot. When, what's the best time? Or I guess when's the best time to move them from one ground spot to another? Okay, Lauren, thank you for the text, babe. Well, um, you know, in Savannah, Georgia, the chances of a frost are fairly slim. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're close to the water there. Um, but I would, as soon as they drop their leaves, I'd feel comfortable about moving them. I would too. Yeah. In fact, I think. Fall is probably the best time to do it. I think so. Uh, yeah. But like you said, Jim, you could do it now, but still even better is when they really kind of go dormant, when they drop mm-hmm. drop those leaves. Uh, just dig that thing up. Try to get as much of that root ball as you can. No one you can't get it all, but just get as much as you can, as much as you can handle. Get it transplanted to the new spot and that thing, and use a root stimulator. I still like using a root stimulator 
even if they are dormant, because the roots are still growing. Um, but make a solution of that root stimulator, saturate those roots once a week for about a month, come back in early March and do it again once a week for about a month, and that thing won't even know it got moved, yeah. honestly. So, um, Lauren, appreciate the text, and that's on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, but not only is it a good time to transplant, it's a great time to plant trees. Absolutely. You know, Best time. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, Japanese maple, Chinese fringe tree, uh, Japanese snowbell. Great plant. Yeah. But what I'd also tell Lauren, you know, she's doing a uh, baby Jane, uh, a little Jane magnolia and, and a tulip poplar. If she really wants a mature tulip poplar, she can just drive to Memphis <laughs> in a flatbed. I've got one in my front yard you can have. It looked like Christmas vacation <laughs> hauling that tree back. <laughs> she can have it. I'll help her dig it. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Look, that tree. It's, it's going to be there past the subdivision. It's just the bane um, of my existence is all it is. You know? <laughs> what would we have to talk about and tease you about if you didn't have that tree planted there? But then again. One of these nights he's going to catch me when I throw fertilizer around it. Every night. <laughs> Jim, I'm going to kill you for it. Oh, now we know. But I know if it wasn't there in the front of my house, you could throw an egg on the front of my house and it would fry before it hit the ground. Yeah. So, you know, is it is doing what it's supposed to do, but I just don't like where it is. That's well, all. what are we going to do with you? All right, we've got some crazy weather coming up, guys. But uh, I'm just ignoring it. No. Yeah, in hopes that it'll go away. Right. I'm it, just going to let it try to play itself out. No, oh my word, y'all. What yeah. are we going to do? In every weather page that I look at, the lows are all different on each one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can tell you we've got cooler temperatures coming in. And it looks like there's even some freezing temperatures coming in starting, mine said, starting Tuesday night. Jim, I think yours Veda said maybe Monday night. Well, I think we'll have, we'll approach freezing Monday night, but, I, you know, probably in the city, 34, 35. Um, and I don't think, I don't think we'll get a frost that night. Um, but then the next night, though, I'm figuring upper 20s. Yeah. And with the frost associated yeah, with and, that. you know, 28 or so in the city and then, you know, a little chillier out there where i live Dang. Mm-hmm. So. well so for sure house plants are coming in yep for sure that then you know if you did some fall planting containers and maybe if they had like crotons in them or mm-hmm. ornamental peppers bring those in for the night mm-hmm. for a couple of nights but far as all the other plants i'm gonna leave them out of course i'm leaving them out in the garden center but we're in midtown so it's not gonna get quite as low <clears throat> plus we're enclosed in a way, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's open top, but we're still protected in so many different ways. Yeah. But, but this is still not yeah. a flash freeze like we saw last year. Is it? It almost I mean, sounds we, like well, it, Because we, we've had really warm weather, we and then have. all of a sudden we've got some really cold temperatures coming in. But it's not to the extreme, Jim Vader, that we saw um, last year, though, right? Uh, I don't think so. Um, as I said earlier, uh, the the dogwoods are showing real good deep red, which means they've gone through their chlorophyll, and so they're about to go dormant, which is good. Yeah. You know, if they still had green leaves, I'd be really concerned. What about something like Japanese maples? Japanese maples, it's still... Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm a tad concerned if they've still got... Lots of green, and that trunk is exposed to morning sun. 
You know, mm-hmm. if, if it is, I'd go out there with just paper towels and wrap them. Mm-hmm. Okay? Just so the sun can't reflect on can't it. Can't hit and... on it. When, you know, because when you, if, if that sap hasn't gone down totally, that sap's going to freeze. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then when that sun hits one side of it, you get that expanding and you're going to get a hairline crack, at least one. Okay. Yeah. And the tree's going to come out next year. You're going to be happy as can be. And then along mm-hmm. about June or July, you start seeing some limb die back. And it's all because of that temperature difference in the trunk of that tree. So I would, uh, if if it were me, I would go out there and wrap it with a towel, you know, the lower trunk, particularly if it's a young tree. Mm -hmm. Once they've corked up, they're Mm -hmm. a lot less likely to be damaged. Right. So this whole thing, though, so it's not really, it's not going to get that cold. Well, but it's you, just that it's been so warm there again until now, and then all of a sudden you get these freezing temperatures. It wouldn't surprise me in outlying areas if some if it gets twenty five or twenty six degrees. Right, but it's not going down to zero. Was my point? No, like it did it last is not. year. That's yeah. correct. You know, but remember the November nineteenth freeze? Yeah, it it only went to like twenty six degrees, but it had we had had zero cold weather. Mm-hmm. You know, and so everything was still thinking it's you know it's early summer. Yeah. So, but it, and it caught all that water in the plants, and then then mm-hmm. it that next morning played havoc on them. Which brings me around to the fact that we want everything to be good and moist before this freeze. Yes, and looks like we may get fortunate with it, with enough rain, or just right at enough rain. Well, we need well, rain anyway. You know, yeah. it depends on who you look at. And you know, I've got some that say just kind of scattered showers, mm-hmm. tenth to a quarter of an inch, and it's not enough. And then one that's got you know may get an inch, inch and a half. So, yeah, uh, that's what I'd like to see. You know, a good steady rain that's um, you know so if we're doesn't less run off so bad. Than that maybe we should actually get our irrigation going or or water <sighs> or water the water the night before the first yeah. freeze comes in. We had a question this week about that. Um, they had planted some new plants this year and wondered if they had read what you know that you really should water things. Uh, going mm-hmm. into a freeze, and that's absolutely true. Um, because you know, the ground is more better insulated than if it's really dry soil. That's right. And the plants hydrated, right, too. Right, right. Yeah. Good. You know, I have, remember, a number of years in the past when I was at the nursery at 4 o'clock in the morning icing things down, mm-hmm. just turning the sprinklers on letting them freeze to protect them from the bitter cold coming in and the winds, which play do a lot of damage to mm-hmm. things like gardenias and that sort of thing. Oh, the things gardeners have to do. Yeah. The people, things nurserymen have to do. I was going to say, let's talk about gardens. Again, I don't know why I'm visiting Central Texas in my head today, but, you know, we did houseplants there, of course, and it, it was not ever cold, cold winters like here at all. And uh, so we had our house plant sitting on the side of the building, and we had a plastic, little plastic greenhouse built, which is normally enough. It had those things shoved in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was kind of shoppable, and it was enough, but we were having this weird weather. And so I'm watching the news like at 10 o'clock at night, and I realize I have to go to the garden center and do something to get some heat into this little greenhouse. Well, we had um, in the building, we had windows. Um, right beside it. So we opened the window. Sure. And then we took some trash bags and made a tunnel out of yeah. it and taped it to the heater. Uh, it was an air conditioner heater blower thing. Taped it to that and it blew the heat hot air off into the little greenhouse. So that was your own, your own little duck work going yeah, into the... exactly. But I mean, we're up here like at midnight trying to save all these houseplants and then you're like, 
did I just spend as much money trying to save these houseplants on labor and material, at, whether <clears throat> I could have just let them die? But I'm like, money or whatever, these are plants. I can't let them die. Something about nurserymen, they just, you know, even when I, if I on occasion have to go to one of the big box stores for mm-hmm. something, you know, and you walk by the front there and they've got all these plants that are wilted. <laughs> and you just want to pick up a hose and put a little water on it. Right. You know? It's just, you can hear them they yelling. Look, they look at Jim really funny when he does that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Who is this guy? But so, so this is Saturday. So t- by Tuesday night, <clears throat> anything that's outside this tender, house plants, uh, you mentioned crotons and that kind of stuff a while ago, mm-hmm. Veda. I mean, we better make sure that we put yeah. them in a protected area. Most of your annuals are going yeah. to bite the dust, you know, well, impatience and time anyway. right. So today's a good day to go ahead and yank those things out of the ground before yeah. they turn right. to mush. Now, if you're using coleus as some of your fall color display, too, bring that in yeah. if you can. Because I love the coleus for the fall display, but, ooh, it's going to turn remember, black. I am an advocate of not yanking them out of the ground. I uh, know. Yeah. You like to cut them at ground cut level? Cut them at ground level. Yeah. Leave those roots in the ground. You yeah. know, they become mm-hmm. good organic matter. They've done the work of separating the soil. You know, mm-hmm. why I take them out and mess that up? Exactly. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Speaking of coleus, okay, I have a container that has coleus in it. And um, I cut it off because it's huge, and I cut it back, cut it back lower. And I'm trying to not pull it out, trying to not pull it out. The roots got so intense on it. She's hanging on as long as she can, Jim. But I'm digging, digging, and then I'm pulling, and it finally comes loose, and all the dirt goes up in your face and in the air and all of that. And I'm like, it's Jim, like, Jim, it's, Jim, Jim. It's kind of like when why I didn't I just cut it back? It's kind of like when I pulled the possum out of the uh, out of the grill. Yeah. Uh, when I pulled that drip it wasn't pan, even done yet. <laughs> no, That's this, the problem. This BDI thing was very much alive. Looking at me, and I yanked that grease pan, and we all went flying. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad we can be here with you this morning. So, y'all, there's lots of gardening stuff going on. Yeah, but if you want to give us a call, Miss Veda, 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. And you can always go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and shoot us a text. And um, Carlos said hello. Uh, Good morning to you, Carlos. And Jan Farmer texted in. She said, we learned so much from the show. Little tips that we forgot and need uh, reminding about. Mixed with humor. Thanks for being there before the crack of dawn. Thank you, Jim. No <laughs> doubt about it. Because it is dark outside, I promise you that. Just, just a tad. And why? I just want it to be daylight every Saturday at this early in the morning. Yeah, I hear you, babe. <laughs> Coming in in the summertime when it's still and it's daylight when you're driving in, I'm like, man, this is great. Mm-hmm. Those wonderful long days. Warm weather. We don't have to worry about freezing temperatures coming in here, what, Monday or Tuesday night, Jim? Mm-hmm. God, dog. So my banana tree, and I've talked about this a couple bananas. months ago or a yeah. month ago, that, and I was asking Jim, what's the best way for me, the easiest, when I say best, a lot of times I mean easiest, okay, mm-hmm. way for me to get this thing done. Because this, this banana tree that I planted about five years ago, and this is a hardy banana that comes back every year, this thing is multiplied, and it's really taken up the whole corner of these two fences mm-hmm. where they come together. This well, corner first off, is huge. But- Best and easy don't go together. I know it. Usually it doesn't. <laughs> but Jim was saying get in there and just, you know, kind of cut the leaves off of it mm-hmm. and then just cut the stalks back down, what, halfway, Jim, and well, just call it a day? I did that last year, and I was, uh, 
I don't think the weather cooperated with me. Uh, well, um, <laughs> Imagine that. So I'm, I'm going to just remove the leaves only. Okay? Really? Yes, and, and leave the stalks and see if it's, you know, for several years in a row, I had them survive the winter. And so when everybody else's were beginning to leaf out, you know, in late May, you know, mine had full leaves on it and looked great already. So I'm going to attempt that again, okay. particularly because I have like a hundred banana trees. Yes, uh, and lining around the pool, and you get heat from the concrete there. So I think I have a better shot than most um, of of keeping them up. Well, but I'm at least going to. I mean, I'm at least cut all the leaves off today because if not, it's going to turn into mush. And that then is horrible. Like, could you wrap the trunk? Would that even matter? Uh, well, yeah, it probably would help. Yeah, mm. yeah. The the actual trunk is only about three feet tall. The the stem of the of the the plant that's coming out of the ground, right? And so, if you wrap that, you know, I mean, and it's likely to help it. Um, it just depends on how cold it gets. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't hurt also to cut it down at ground level. I promise it doesn't. You. It doesn't. Because I've right. done that every it, year. It will. Um, you'll be rewarded with additional plants next year. Yeah, <laughs> that's and, and that's what this thing has done. It has started to re-sprout everywhere. In fact, it's even gone over to the other side, <laughs> the fence, mm-hmm. from my backyard to my front yard, and I'm constantly cutting wow. that out of there. So, I wonder if, do you think that instead of cutting it all the way to the ground, doing like you're doing, Jim, I think that gives you a better chance of having bananas. It does, yeah, because yeah. they are biennials technically. Mm-hmm. Um they are the largest herbaceous plant on earth. Okay. It is herbaceous, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um and and it bears fruit on <clears throat> normally it takes eighteen to twenty four months or so mm-hmm. for it to produce and then the mother plant dies and you get all the babies yeah. coming up around it. Uh so Yeah. It, yes. uh, it's so cool when you grow bananas in central Texas again. We had a banana tree and it grew bananas on it and I was just so amazed. I hear there's a banana fungus out there, a new one that. that uh, it's some concern, yeah. Yeah, and the la- there was one before. You mean down in like where they grow real growing yeah. bananas, but not around here, though. Right, right. Like <laughs> the last one was like in the 1930s that wiped out the best banana crop ever. And yeah. now there's one. You probably know more about it, Jim. I just kind of well, touched on the it. The issue is all of the bananas we have are genetically alike. Okay, so there's Hold on, a, what do you mean by that? That means that every banana that you're eating, from no matter where you get it from, yeah. those are all uh, identically have identical DNA. Okay, so that makes if something affects one of them, it's going to affect them all. It's going to get them all. Okay, yeah. so it's they're very careful about how you know spreading the disease and and that sort of thing in areas where they produce bananas. So um, mm. you know that's the the crop. Totally, mm-hmm. plants could be wiped out if it got out of hand. All right. So, so, do we want to lose all of our bananas forever and ever, or do we do GMO? Or they're high, I know they're trying all kinds of things so we don't lose our bananas, like, um, of course, hybridizing more resistant ones, creating a fungicide that'll take care of it. Because I don't think there's a fungicide now, right? Uh, not that I know of. Yeah. But, yeah. hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, but my whole point is, I've got a little bit of time today, while it's nice, it's yeah. not raining, to take care of business before cold weather gets in here. Because I know what happens to banana trees after a freeze. It, it's just, to me, a lot easier to get that clean thing cleaned up, even though it looks beautiful. Right now, it's yeah. green, big leaves, it's, I mean, it's healthy uh-huh. as a button. 
but I know what's going to happen. I'd rather do it now when I've got the time to do it instead of waiting until it turns to mush. Mm-hmm. And you won't believe how much water uh, these yeah. banana mm-hmm. trunks hold because when it turns to mush and you try to cut it, even with a saw, yeah, it it, it's just like cutting through wet grits. You know, it's just hard. Does that make sense? Grits? I don't know. It's just what came in my I head. I know. I said that just must have popped up. It's just, it's just mush is what it is. Yeah. Maybe that's why I Slime. thought of that. Yeah. It's just so it's easier for me to do it now yeah. than waiting. Uh, now, what about pansies, violas, snapdragons, dianthus, all that stuff that people have put in their containers, ornamental cabbage, ornamental kale, all that stuff should be fine. Mm-hmm. Should be fine. Just water it thoroughly, you know. Now, if you planted them... Or if you're planning to plant them today, yeah. water them in thoroughly. And if you've got some leaves, throw them over the top of them. You know, a hard frost can heave those things out of the ground if they're not rooted in well. Yeah. So, And I've seen that happen yeah. a lot. Um, so. Yeah, people would come call into the show and go, something weird's happened. My plants are just above ground right mm-hmm. now. What animal did that? Or like it was the it was the uh, mm-hmm. weather that caused it to heave out of the ground. That's why you should break your root ball up too. Some people keep their root balls all spongy, and they're not breaking them up so they can. Even if uh, we don't have that type of freeze, it'll still work its way out of the soil a lot of times. Yeah, and it and it doesn't want to leave that little root ball. Okay, and they'll get tighter and tighter in there, and get and they'll actually get root bound on a pansy. Um, so you need to get them out of that root roots don't like different. Okay. Mm. So if they hit a different soil texture, they'll usually turn and go back around where they were. So it's, um, it's, it's imperative that you just tear the bottom out of that thing, split mm-hmm. those roots up. You're not going to hurt the plant. Yeah. Not uh, at all. and, uh, and then water them in thoroughly. Um, you know, if you like, want, put a little newspaper over them, you know, for the, yeah, a frost cloth or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And mostly just because we're still early. A lot of things I'm trying to protect only because this is just for a couple of nights. And then we'll probably have another month of great weather mm-hmm. that you could be enjoying the plants that. Um, so what I'm saying is just bring them in for a, a night or two because you still got maybe a month. Of course, that's my weather prediction, kind of in a normal way, well, but it could be after this, we're going to snow. No, that's typically what happens around here in the Mid-South. You get some little cool weather like we've got coming in, cold weather, and then we'll have 83 degrees, you know, two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But overall, we're saying with this cold front coming through early part of next week, hopefully it's bringing rain. But if not, at the very least, let's get out there and do some watering because it's bone dry anyway. I promise you, mm-hmm. it's still so dry out there, and we actually need a good rain. Uh, but in the short term, get everything watered in, um, and tender plants, you know, get mm-hmm. them, make sure they're protected. House plants, get them inside if you hadn't done it by now. But everything else out there, I mean, shouldn't be any damage at all, really. I know. I'm debating on whether I'm just going to move the house plants in just right inside the building and leave them there for a couple of days and then put them back outside. I haven't decided. Well, invariably, eventually, you'll have to keep bringing them in and yeah. keep them in. So. I guess it depends on if they're ready to go yet, Veda. But I do like to, you know, get them washed down, get them cleaned up, uh, get them sprayed. You know, I mean, invariably you're going to drag insects inside that house if you drag houseplants in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and spray them with a, uh, you know, like a neem oil or a triple action or something like that is perfectly fine. Uh, some people even get make a solution of their insecticide and drench the soil, uh, you know, before they bring them inside. Uh, and, you know, go ahead and take the time if you can, clean them up. I like to even wash them down, like I said, get all the dust and everything off of them. So I like them good and clean when I bring them in. And I surely like like them to be insect-free when I bring them in. 
and that's where just spraying with something like a, a neem oil, uh, yeah. for the most part, is going to be perfectly fine to spray. It's very safe to use. Uh, and it is an oil, which I like using because it smothers the egg and everything. Um, so, yeah, get all that stuff done now mm-hmm. before, you know, you have to do it in 30 I minutes, know, you know? I know. In my head, I'm making the plan of where what's got to be picked up and put up. And then there's so many things around you know, mm-hmm. you, you might just inve- in, inevitably forget one or two things because there's just stuff everywhere. Yeah. And, then, you know, I spent the day yesterday moving most of my plants in. And some there's some things that you just have to go, <laughs> this isn't worth saving anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got a huge plumeria that I planted in the ground. Oh. Uh, and it's, it, it's just too big to try to winter that thing anymore. Is that lungwort? What is that, Jim? No, uh, plumeria is the, the flower that they make Hawaiian lays yeah. out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very tropical. What's the lungwort? The lungwort is pulmonaria. pulmonaria. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but it, you know, it's huge. It's, it's so heavy. It wants to lay over on the ground. Wow. wow. Um, so it, it's just. I'm just not, I don't even want to cut it back and have to deal with it. So I'm going to let that one go. You know, I've got uh-huh. some ferns like Kimberly Queen and Macho that I'm going to let those go because if I, as soon as I move them in, they start shedding anyway. They do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. So you're so, going to build up your compost pile, basically. Well, <laughs> just say that. Just say that. Yeah, that makes me feel better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm get, um, well, I guess we should go to a break real quick. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Glad you can join us today. So, um, out cutting wed twig dogwoods. Wed twig? Wed twigs and yellow twig dogwoods. So, we have them in buckets, and uh, because I don't have them planted anywhere, but I'm growing my own twigs. Yeah. But they're sitting back underneath a hackberry tree. Let me say this real quick. A yes. red twig or a yellow twig dogwood. Mm-hmm. When I think of the word dogwood, I think of tree. Yeah. These are more like Bushes. shrubs, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're in containers under a hackberry tree. Well, you know what happens under hackberries. They get the aphids and the sap falls mm-hmm. on the trees. Okay, so I know that. And um, so I'm pruning them all. Got them in a big bushel. And pick them up, put them over my shoulder. And I'm talking to somebody and walking through and all that. Put them down, and they're stuck in my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Because of the sticky honeydew that's on there. I didn't even think about it. So all day long, I had these mats of sticky honeydew in my hair. Nice. From collecting the red twigs under the hackberry. Now, is that the only reason you were cutting your yellow twig and red twig dogwoods back? Is because they were just so sticky with that honeydew? No, because I was actually going to use the twigs. So I'm going to let them die off and then use the twigs and um, some arrangements. Have they already started showing their color yet? Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they better. Do great now since I had to deal with that sticky aphid secretion in my hair. And isn't it good to cut them back anyway, Jim and Veda? Because isn't it the first year wood first that always wood looks has the, the best? Most color. And, yeah. and they would be happier out from underneath that tree and color up better. I uh, know. And not I get out all the sticky stuff on it. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's what I told the guys. I was like, wait, that's not where I said to put them. Like I've discovered it weeks later. But anyway, we'll see how that works. But yeah, so I'm cutting them all off in the bucket and then fertilizing it really good in the spring and letting them flush back out until I get a place to plant them. And how will you use the the 
stems that you cut? You just stick them down in, in they're soil? They're switches. They're good switches, yeah. and I'm selling them as switches. No. <laughs> you have people lined up for them, yeah, I promise right, you. right, right. Okay, no, yeah, exactly. Like in the middle of the center of an arrangement, just, just stick them in the soil, and it gives you some height and some color, and then you can put your evergreens around it. You can do uh, cut more stuff, <clears throat> put in the container, or just have a container already planted and stick some yellow or some wet wet. Red twigs in there. Well, it's, it's hard. It, it, great choice, by the way, Veda, because and Jim, because this time of year when you do a container, a fall container, especially if you're doing fall color, mm-hmm. you know, we know there's the ornamental cabbage and kale. There's the pansies, the viola, snapdragons, and dianthus, right? And you can put all that in there, and then you can get little ivy or whatever and have it trailing over the edge. But it's hard to find something for the center, something a little taller that's not a shrub this time yeah. of year. Right. So whether it's a little one-gallon sky pencil holly or whether it's a small little Alberta spruce, you know, yeah, you can do all that. But in your case, Veda, you can go out there and just put some really pretty decorative limbs mm-hmm. that you've cut, right. stick those down in the center, and there's your your the tall. Yeah, your centerpiece, right. Right. We have a Harry Lauder walking stick, and I had to oh, yeah, some the best. limbs off. They need pruned off. <laughs> Prune some limbed off. Put them in the back for it to dry. Well, you know how you have a list of jobs to do for people, and, and you know, you're know you checking the list all the time. Why don't they do this? I ask them to do it every day. Why don't they do this? No, they don't do that, but they go pick up the twigs in the back and throw them away. <laughs> Just why? Why does that happen? But I have to do some more pruning. But, yeah, Harry Lauder walking stick. Uh, birch? Birch limbs? Yeah, birch limbs. You're actually, mm-hmm. You can buy those, but you could use birch limbs. For that look, uh, deciduous holly limbs that have the real pretty berries yeah. on them. We are going to talk later. I think you, Jim, you said we had some requests on what to put in containers and all. So but it, but I've, I've had but of... you get a lot of people asking. Okay, you know what can I put in the center of this pot? Because they like the thriller, mm-hmm. the filler, and the spiller, yeah. right? Uh, well, the thriller, the tall part. There's just not a lot of ornamental tall plants that you can put out there this time of year. So you have to get you have to get more creative. Uh, and or you can plant the whole red twig dogwood root ball and all in the container and plant around if it. If it's big <laughs> enough, yeah. yeah. So that that can be a little challenging, no doubt. But speaking of deciduous hollies, I uh, had a lady come into the garden center, and uh, we've got some of the, what, berry poppins, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is a deciduous holly. It's yeah. more of a dwarf variety. And uh, she was sitting there just looking at this thing mm-hmm. like, God, this is so beautiful. And she said, I've got a deciduous holly. Uh, but mine never produces berries. And, Jim, you were saying? It's a little boy, likely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That or it could be a female and just doesn't have any doesn't, male yeah. pollinators around it. Yeah. But, so, I mean, you know, even there I would expect to have a, a couple of berries. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know. And, well, it's like I was telling her, and I said, typically with, you know, most of these deciduous hollies, which need a pollinator to produce the berries, uh, usually there are enough pollinators out there normally, naturally, for them to pollinate. Uh, but if you do have a deciduous holly and it's not producing the berries, uh, Southern Gentleman is a really good male pollinator, mm-hmm. and it's good for the sparkleberry, the winter red, and others. And then there's one called Jim Dandy, which is also <clears throat> excuse me, a really good male pollinator, and that's more for the winter berry and, and, for exa- and the berry poppins, for example. Right. And there uh, are Mr. <clears throat> poppins, too, because I got the berry poppins. <clears throat> The berry poppins, yeah, which is the female, get, obviously. That's full of red berries. Yeah, and it right gets now. about three to four foot tall, yeah. three to four foot wide. Oh, it's it's, it's a smaller size, and it's full of berries. But there again, though, 
if you've got deciduous hollies and they're not producing those berries, is because they're just not getting pollinated. And so you need to put a male pollinator out there. And there are certain male pollinators that go better with mm-hmm. these female deciduous hollies. Yeah, the key is knowing when they bloom. Okay? Exactly right. Um, any holly will pretty much pollinate any other holly, but they have to be in bloom at the same time. That's right. And that's where we have the difference between the possum haws and the winterberries because they bloom at different times. Now, you can tell if you've got a female um, in the spring when they bloom. The bloom is looks like a little dogwood bloom, has four petals. And if in the center of that there is a hole, mm-hmm. like you could put a ball in it, that is a little boy. Mm-hmm. If there is a ball already in there, so it looks like you just put a ball in the center kind of it. Kind of plugged it in. That's a female, okay? And and hollies are unusual plants, I think, you know. They're kind of like people. Um, there are most hollies are either male or female. Right. Some are both. Yeah. And some don't even need a male. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's crazy. Yep. Mm-hmm. But they are they're great plants. Now you know deciduous hollies during the growing season. You won't pass one. You won't give it a second look. I'm telling you. When they start dropping those leaves, though, Veda and Jim, and those berries start really producing. That's when they really show their colors, I'm telling you. Oh, they're fantastic. And this is, you know, like we see the big winter berries or the big possum halls that are 10, 12 feet tall. Right. And you're like, I love it, but there's no room. Well, the berry poppins is smaller. Yeah, three to four by three to four. Yeah. yeah. And then there's Mr. Poppins. And then there's w- the sparkleberry and winterberry yeah. and all of those. I mean, they're great, great shrubs. Uh, when they drop their leaves, they're absolutely beautiful. But uh, this lady, like I said, she was just staring at this thing, and she said, you know, mine just never produces berries. And I said, well, until you get a pollinator out there, it's not going to. So she's going to uh, come back in the spring and get a uh, male pollinator mm-hmm. and put it out there. And it doesn't have to be right beside it. It just needs to be somewhere in the vicinity. In the general, yeah. yeah in the general area. Don't they, should we be keeping a, keeping the soil acidic around these possum halls, are they like that more than the uh, alkaline? Yeah, and they pH around five and a half, like you would in a zay. Just regular, regular yeah. holly. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, we have all of the information Kenneth's just talking about mm-hmm. on our Facebook group under the files section. We have one on deciduous hollies. Well, that's where I should have gone to look at you all. You were reading stuff. off of it, but we well, no, I, I should have. <laughs> and and it tells you which male to use with which. Okay. Um, we need so, that anyway. for humans. Uh, Jamie, we've burned up an hour already. Uh, We have. Okay, y'all, just hang on a second. We'll be right back. 260-5926. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to the second hour of the Mid-South Garden. I'm Veda with Palladio Home and Garden on Central Avenue. Yeah, Veda, what's been going on with Palladio this week? And, you know, we've been doing a lot of, selling a lot of fountains. Everybody, yeah, I'm ready for fountains. And I got your your email about um, winterizing fountains. Yeah, yeah. Showed a nice, pretty frozen one. Right, right, (laughs) yes. Oh, last year we really had some damage because of the quick drop in the fountain. And it's good time to start thinking about Mm -hmm. that, isn't it? Yep, yep. Now, are there there Uh, any fountains that you don't have to winterize? I mean, outside, that you just leave that water running and it turns... If there were really large fountains where it was hard to freeze all the way through... 
then that would be okay. The little bitty ones, definitely, if they fill up with water and then it freezes, you know, it's going to be the same thing that happens to a clay pot. So for the yeah. most part, these those things need to be winterized, mm-hmm. drained, and, right, and right. taken care of. Yeah, we take all the water out, um, remove the pump, make sure all the water's out of the hoses and things, and then there's tarps that are made especially for fountains. And do y'all go out and do that for consumers? mm, Yeah, slides over the top so it looks good. It doesn't look like you have a blue tarp wrapped around your fountain that you're looking out the window all day, (laughs) every day, yeah. So um, that, uh, oh, we're going to have Gene Ward Jones. I saw that. Yeah, next Saturday. As a spokesperson. Yeah, at 11, talking about gardening and stuff like that. I did a video on it, and I called her Jean Brown in a video. <laughs> so, okay. y'all, if y'all are seeing this video, Instagram, I haven't had the lady change it yet. It says Jean Brown, because I met Jean Brown and Jean Ward-Jones around the same time. So it just comes out that way. Mm-hmm. So you're doing the same thing we are. We're not in yeah. the fountains like, like you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we sell you know, a few bird baths. And we, yeah. And stuff, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, all the fall color, you know, the pansies and violas at Dan West. Uh, of course, trees and shrubs still. Uh, people are really starting to get interested in bulbs. Uh, we got amaryllis in this mm-hmm. week. You know the waxed amaryllis, the yeah. big loose amaryllis bulbs made in the in the kit. Oh, we don't sell loose stuff. Oh yeah, man. So uh, <laughs> no. you know amaryllis are a big thing. Uh, so bulbs, 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 and uh, fall color and lots of shrubs mm-hmm. and you know everything else. But I mean seeds, seeds. Oh yeah. Seeds. So I mean it's it's just normal at the garden center this we time of year. We started planting up paper whites to be ready by Thanksgiving. That's right. Put them in gravel. I put them in gravel and just keep... It's amazing how much water four bulbs can absorb <laughs> mm-hmm. in a little container. So uh, in the paper whites, I have no holes in the bottom of the pots. Nope. And then I put the pea gravel in there. Well, I put the bulbs in there first and then just dump the pea gravel in. At least halfway, even maybe even up, up to like the neck it, of the bulb. Yeah, because their roots get so big. Yeah, and they, they try to push, push themselves out. out. Yeah. yeah. But but the beauty of a paper white narcissus and an amaryllis bulb is you don't have to pre-chill them. You just add water and they do their thing. But I'm still liking, you know, the waxed amaryllis, guys. You take mm-hmm. this thing and you just set this beautiful wax-coated amaryllis. It's got a little stand on the bottom of the bulb. And you just set it on the table. And that's all you do. Yep. You don't add any water. You don't do anything to this thing. And it, it does its thing. It's pretty neat. It really is. It is cute. We've got those two. I have them in the refrigerator right now. I didn't want him to start flushing out too early. Yeah. Um, and then the um, at the bulk amaryllis, That's the right. loose amaryllis, That's right. like you say, uh, you can plant those now. You can plant them so many different ways, actually. You can put them in the dirt. You can put them in gravel. Mm-hmm. You can put them in a pot that the water goes just right up to the base of the amaryllis. Just to the bottom just, of the bulb. Yeah. That's right. They'll, they'll grow all kinds of ways. And so. Yeah, and you start those any time because an amaryllis, typically speaking, is going to take anywhere from six to eight weeks to bloom after you initially add water. And a lot of times that is depending on how warm you keep your house. Jim, as you know, in Veda, uh, the cooler the house, it might take a little longer uh, than six weeks. The warmer the house, it probably won't take much more than six weeks for those Even things. the amount of the bright light, yeah. like lower light, higher light, would change the situation. But I always you. like to figure, you know, if six weeks after you add water. So if you're trying to do it for Christmas, uh, you know, the first week of November, it's time to go ahead and get those things potted up and ready to go. Uh, paper whites, they do it much faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, there are some, and, and you, it, to me, they're just foolproof. You can't yeah. not, you can't mess it up. And actually, you see amaryllis sitting in the bulk bin 
um, growing. And they'll yes. even bloom. Just from and the moisture never, in yeah, the air. Right, or the stored <laughs> uh, nutrient. Because that's how the wax, that wax amaryllis do. It's holding I mean, that, they're not holding in that moisture water. in there. That's yeah, right. They're, so they're using all the nutrients in the bulb to do what it's doing. And then the other bulbs that you plant outdoors, you know, your hyacinths and your tulips and your daffodils and the other types of narcissus and all the minor bulbs. Um, you know, almost any time now, uh, usually people will start planting those the first, second week in November. And then some people just wait till around Thanksgiving. But technically, you can, you know, the soil temperatures are starting to cool off, especially after this cold front comes through. Uh, and if you do it right, you know, you can have bulbs starting to bloom in January, February, March, April, even some of them in May. Uh, you know, so a lot of these little minor bulbs, you know, they bloom uh, early on, and then you know you got your uh, your narcissus that will bloom, daffodils uh, after that, and then you got your tulips that bloom after that, and then if you do it right, I'm telling you, you can have bulbs blooming for about three to four months uh, next year. So, and remember, you can shorten the height of those paper whites by giving them a little boost. Yes, okay. right, Jim. Use something that's at least eighty proof, okay, or or isopropyl alcohol will work. Um, mix it seven cups of water with one cup of your alcohol and water your your paper whites. Now, I, I like to do it after they've been in and at least watered for a week or so that to get some roots established. Wait till but the then, tops are about an inch tall. Yeah, yeah, and then add it in there, and it will significantly shorten the length of the bulbs and keep them from flopping over. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. A Viagra will do it also. Yep. So, yep. Yep. Well, I wonder if my boss is going to wonder why I've got liquor at work. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Using it on the paper whites. Now, having said that, you know, the old-fashioned Ziva, Z-I-V-A paper whites are what people have been buying for 100 years. Uh, they do get a little taller, and but they're very, very fragrant. Uh, and like Jim said, if you add a little booze and some gin or vodka in there, that will shorten it. Now, there are an, is another variety called Inbal, I-N-B-A-L, uh, which is a uh, paper white that doesn't get as tall. It's a shorter variety, but it's just not quite as fragrant. Some people love the idea that they're not as fragrant as the Zivas. Some people don't like that. I love the way they smell. Some people don't like the way they smell. So if you get online and start reading about the fragrance of paper whites, a lot of times you see where they say it smells like a molded cabbage. And I'm thinking, man, these things smell great. They smell, to me, they remind me of gardenias. Well, molded cabbage, I guess, was the nicest thing I've heard about how they smell. Now, what do you like the way they smell? Me too. Some people think they smell like cat box. Well, you know, if if one in the house is is nice, you know, but when you work in a garden center and you've got a whole bunch of them in bloom (laughs) at the same time. Um, it can be a little overbearing. That's when yeah. you try to wait on the customers outside. Right, right. That could be kind of tough. <laughs> but my whole point is, uh, think about bulbs. I mean, this is the time of year to start thinking about that. Uh, and planting, you know, trees and shrubs, Veda, like you were talking about, and Jim, you were talking about earlier, this is a perfect time of year to get uh, a lot of those shrubs back in the ground. Um, and then, you know, the fall color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, like you can do gifts now, like, we're going to plant some amaryllis and then some uh, house plants around the amaryllis, like, in a really pretty container. So it's going to look really good in fall. But then as amaryllis grows, it's really then it's going to, yeah, kind of switch over into Christmas look. Mm-hmm. Because that amaryllis is sitting in there fixing the yeah, bloom. Yeah, right. So, so you don't notice it's there with all this other stuff. 
and then it'll start working its way up, and then you've got a two-for-one gift. You know, and people overlook the fact that you can put these bulbs in pots outside, you know, because they'll mm-hmm. take the freezing. I mean, that's not an issue. You can, um, and, and you can do layers of them. If mm-hmm. there's a particular tulip you like, you know, uh, you get you a large pot and fill it about a third to a half full of soil, put a whole layer in there, and then Add more just soil. cover enough soil so you can see the tips and then plant between them, okay? And then you can cover those and do another one. You can put crocus at the top for early color. You can, you know, put lots of different flowers in there and it have in probably 90 days or so of color if you do it right. If you stagger them like that, right. Jim, and plant them in layers. Mm-hmm. A lot right. of fun. Y'all got to do that. So easy. Okay, we're going to take a break. You can call us 260-5926 and you're listening to KWAM. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Glad y'all can be with us this morning. Post a question on Facebook Live. Uh, You can call us 260-5926. You don't have to be on air. You can leave a question with Philip. Yeah, and the uh, post a question like Miss Wendy Johnson did on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. She said, we have ham and eggs in the ground. Uh, How should we prepare it for winter? And Uh, ham and eggs, we don't mean in the sense ham and eggs. What do we mean? uh, I was going to say salt and pepper. Little bacon. Yeah. (laughs) Delicious. Delicious. Ham and eggs, uh, lantana, uh, which is really sold as an annual around here, but we know that it's really not. It can be a perennial depending mm-hmm. on the the winter. So what about the ham and eggs, guys? Um, just leave it alone yeah. and cut it back after it dies back and mulch it over and hope that it comes back next year? Or what are we doing? Yeah, that sounds reasonable. You know? Yeah. Well, I've had a lot of people say that, you know, when they've cut them back that they have not come back. So leave them alone. That's what a lot of people do uh, is just leave the stems up. Um, apparently the stems are... are or hollow and they get water in them and mm-hmm. they can freeze that crown. Um, I just don't happen to like the look of dead sticks, you okay. know. But still, but you're saying if you really want them to come back next year, you've got would, a much better chance. Yes, or cut them back, get you a bag of mulch, and use a, a garbage bag just to lay over the crown, dump the mulch over it, and that will keep water out of the top. But you still have water getting around that that'll get into the roots. So. Okay. So and you now, just don't want water getting into those hollow stems, Jim. That's right. If you cut them back, and you're going to cut yours back because you don't know, you don't like the way that dead stuff looks right. above ground. I feel the same way about some of the ornamental grasses that you really shouldn't cut back, some of them. Um, and so, yeah, I'll just put a piece of plastic in there. A lot of times I'll dump the mulch in a wheelbarrow, use the mulch bag, and then put the mulch back on. Dump right. it off in <laughs> Now, what about ham and eggs in particular? Because we know there are so many different varieties of lantana out there that people plant in the spring, uh, whether it's the, you know, the new gold, the Miss Huff, and on down the line. Uh, are there some varieties that tend to come back better in this area than others, or do we still treat them all as an annual and we're just pleased if they do come back? Well, I think you just named three of the four that are fairly dependably hardy, and that's new gold, ham and eggs, Miss Huff, and there's a pink Miss Huff that I'm very, I'm very fond of. It's mm. a beautiful yellow and pink, and and I think it's just stunning in the garden. Um, those four, most winters they'll come back. Okay. Um, 
any of the other ones, it's kind of iffy. Yeah. You know, the, if you can plant it close to concrete where it retains some winter heat, mm-hmm. uh, then I would do the same thing. I'd just cover the crown and, and hope for the best. Um, but those four, I think you can pretty much always figure they're going to come back. So Wendy's got two choices. Either just leave it alone and mulch them in before it gets really cold or cut them back, potentially cover uh, the stalk, you know, whether because you usually when you cut them back, you're doing it like an inch off the ground, right? That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And just lay something over that to keep the water from getting into those hollow stems, mm-hmm. and then put a little mulch on top of that. Next spring, just yank that plastic off of That's there right. and see if they come back right. from the root. I'll leave mine up <clears throat> so I can watch the birds sit in them. You all, I love you. Always leave to your the wildlife rustle in it. So I'll leave mine snakes. up. Yeah, <laughs> you know it is. <laughs> We've got to have those snakes too, though. Not a lot of snakes on her balcony, though. No. Yeah, well, that's no. true, too. <laughs> yeah. Don't have to worry about that. I hope not, anyway. All it right, is Wendy. amazing the wildlife that you get on a balcony, however. Yeah, well, you party a lot. I can understand <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> not that wildlife. It, Don't it, mention that one. Just because you were there. I used to have a bumper sticker that <laughs> yeah. said that support wildlife through a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And I tell you one thing, and we talk about this all the time, and I know people are sick of me even bringing it up, but I've had so many people come into the garden center the last 10 days and complaining about the dang moles. And I don't know what it is at the end of this year. Those things, they're, they've gone absolutely crazy. Uh, well, it's like I've been noticing animals scurrying around, acting a little differently, you know, the past couple of weeks. Oh, they did, but I mean, I'm, I'm like, why are they acting strange? Is it because we're our little early cold spell and so they're trying to get moisture? Maybe they're going for the moisture in the roots. There's nothing else. It is so dry. There yeah. again, it's been so dry. I don't know if these things are just going nuts and getting very, very close to the surface because that might be where some moisture yeah. might be. Ground's too hard to May- dig deeper. That maybe. Or maybe the worms and the uh, grubs are up a little higher. Yeah, you they know? just haven't gone deep yet. Yeah, Because it's been so warm. But I mean, I've had sure. so many people this week come in, God, what is going on? I was like, look, I hear about moles every day. It's nothing mm-hmm. new to me. But uh, if you are having a mole problem where you're seeing these tunnels just being dug through your yard, and of course what they love to do, <laughs> had so many people bring me pictures this week <laughs> of that mole tunnel going zip right down the side <laughs> of the driveway, you know, where the grass meets the concrete. And they love doing that also for some mm-hmm. reason. And they're like, what can I, God, please tell me what can I do? So, you know, whether you're putting down a repellent like castor oil, whether you're putting out baits like the kaput or the worms, the poison worms, or the kaput, which is a poison, uh, you know, uh, gel. Gel. Thank you, Jim. That's <laughs> the welcome. word. Uh, whether you're putting out traps or whether you're putting down products that kill the, uh, the grubs and the worms like dialogues, uh, any of those are perfectly fine. But none of them are 100% effective. Right. None of them yeah, are. Yeah, that's why we're always saying just get one of everything. Yeah, just try. And just go in rotation every couple of weeks. Use something. But I don't know what the deal is uh, the latter part of this year with the moles. I mean, something's going on because everybody in the world has been coming into the garden center wanting to know what the heck to do about these things. And some people will say, look, I've had them. I get it. I'll leave them alone because they're always in the back. But these things are going crazy in my front yard. They're in my beds. And that's when they really want to start doing something about it. And then some people have come in and said, I've never had moles. And I said, well, you're the luckiest person I've ever known. Yeah. You know, right. because, but now you do. But if you live long <laughs> enough, you're going to get them. You know? Yeah, oh, these critters, they keep us busy. Yeah, they do. Sometimes they're good. They tear your plants up and you're like, oh, well, 
no, it's all right. I can buy another one. Well, and I usually say if they're back somewhere where they're not bothering anything, I don't really care, you know. But I'm telling you, these moles, and as dry as it's been, I can walk in my backyard back there by the woods, and I can see the mole tunnels where they push that dirt up. And the grass, I guess because it's been so dry, Jim Veda, that the grass, it's like a brown little mark where everywhere I see a tunnel. That grass is actually starting to turn brown. Uh, and I haven't watered back there either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't think that they can't do some damage to your grass because they can. Now, I think if it had timely rains and it was pretty moist back there, I probably wouldn't even notice those yeah. brown tunnels that I'm seeing. But since it's been so dry, it, it has an effect on the uh, on the grass also. Yeah, the critters are definitely, maybe since it's warmer longer, they're getting extra stored up for an extra large, long winter. Mm. But I think, of course, I mean, I know the farmer's almanac is, what, mm. 80% correct? That might be kind of high. Eighty, but I, think I would think that's I think extremely it's high. Probably vice versa. Twenty percent, fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, more like fifty. But I think the thing was a warmer winter than normal. Well, El Nino is supposed to be parked out there, so we're supposed to have a wetter, wetter. Well, I think again, warmer. this is going to be one of those years where you'll see snow in Jackson, Mississippi, and just cold here. Yeah, it's going to rain further south than and get more precipitation. Uh, across the deep southeast. It just makes no sense how it can snow more south than here sometimes. They're closer to the equator, <laughs> right? What is happening? But, you know, it's it's weird because, like, this cold spell, it's going to go almost to Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. They're going to see Uh-oh. temperatures near freezing. You know, I'll almost take this cold weather if we get some rain. Right. I, I mean, I'm telling you, that's how dry it is out there, and that's how much we need moisture out there. I know. I'm wondering but, if... Oh, I'm Go sorry. Ahead. No, no. New Orleans isn't going to get any. Okay, the front's mm. not going to go that far yeah. south. So mm. it's just a little trough that's diving deep. We got some fun, interesting weather to keep up with. Yep. One of those years. Let's go to Jamie, the master gardener. Good morning, Jamie. You're in the Mid South Garden. Good morning. How are y'all? Boy, y'all got some good information this morning. Hey, Jamie, good good morning to you, buddy, and thank you for that. But also, while I got you real quick, I know we got to go to a break here after a while. Uh, Y'all are supposed to be coming up here talking about the Memphis area Master Gardener calendars, and that's on November the 10th, correct? Right. Okay. I just want to make sure I had my dates right. That's all. Okay. I think that's it, but I got a gardening question. Yes, sir. I've got a gardenia here that I planted several years ago, and it's a favorite of Jan's, and it's got it right next to the garage, and where she was smelling it when she got out of the car mm-hmm. coming in the house. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been, uh, you know, growing like crazy, but and it looks like right now it's getting ready to bud, yeah. you know, whatever. Anyway, all these years it's been there, and it's grown well, but grown well, but it hasn't it hasn't bloomed, so. I'm wondering if I'm cutting it back too severely in this time of the year, and then I put a big pot over it and then a blanket over that so just to keep it from freezing to death. So am I doing something wrong? How much sun is it getting? Sir? How much sun, direct sun is it getting? Well, maybe six hours a day. Okay. I'm not like it. Not getting any sun. Well, and this year, of course, gardenias and things were kind of bit back, so it took them a longer amount of time to recover. And, Jim, what about him cutting them back in the fall? I mean, that's going to directly affect that bloom the next spring, but he still should get some bloom. Well, uh, you know, 
He might not because yeah. uh, when you cut them back, it's going to generate a lot of new growth. It's young. It's healthy. It's producing foliage, and it really doesn't need to reproduce, so it may may not. Now, what I would do is, since you have to cut it back to make sure that you're protecting it, give it a good dose of triple superphosphate or superphosphate around the root zone. Mm-hmm. Um, double whatever the, the label rate says on it and water it in thoroughly. And I'd do that now, and I think probably you'll get blooms next year. Okay, but it, it's growing like crazy, and I'm, you know, I know what's it's sick looking or whatever. But it's, it's now it just looks like it's getting ready to, you know, really. <laughs> it's getting ready to. I would cover that thing and protect it, and then yeah. let it bloom. All right, uh, got to run to a break again. Put a second blanket on it. We'll be right back after <laughs> these messages. You're listening to K Wing. Right, so please cut that. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Garden. So, Ning. Gardening. Ning. If you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. You can always go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, and shoot us a text uh, like Wendy Johnston did. We'll get to her in just a second. And if you miss all of this, you can always listen to the podcast at any time you want, kwamradio.com, uh, streaming live all the time. On most all your favorite podcast mm-hmm. services. Yeah. So hello, all you podcast listeners, yeah. because I do have a lot of people that comment on listening to Me the too. podcast. Because, you know, maybe they don't want to be up between 7 and 9 on, or 6 and 9 on Saturday morning. I get it. And also, Wendy texted in, she's, uh, you know, we know about the ham and eggs. Uh, and we said the best thing to do is just cut them back, or don't cut them back. Mm-hmm. Cover them, mulch them in, and hopefully that we don't have just a wet, 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 cold winter. Because a lot of times it's not really the cold that sometimes gets to them. It's, it's when it stays so wet. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jamie called a second ago. He was asking about the gardenia uh, that's planted right there. Because when he said when he pulls up there, they get out of the car. He wants his wife to smell those wonderful gardenias. And we know what happened to gardenias last year. Jim invaded mm-hmm. that. <laughs> bless you. That widened covered. Okay. I mean, they were just decimated. Uh, in his case, Jim, he needs to protect it. That's why he's, he's been cut- doing that. He's been putting a pot over it and blankets right. over that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it has survived, which is good. Um, but, but, but when you reduce that much foliage off of one that's actively growing, it wants to replace that. Plants are not very good at doing two things. Mm. Uh, when they're blooming, they bloom, mm-hmm. but they don't grow much. Okay. That's and true. vice versa. So you know they're replacing all of that growth, and just it's healthy, it's growing, it's kind of like a teenager, uh, yeah. and it doesn't need to reproduce. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. So it's not going to bloom. I mean, it just if it doesn't have the need, uh, right. and it, because it wants to, uh, it wants to promote growth that we've cut off. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going to. That's what it's going to do. Right. So you're saying use superphosphate, triple superphosphate, something high in that middle number, but go ahead and do it this fall. Do it this fall and don't fertilize it with any nitrogen next spring that was going to um, force new growth on it. Just okay. let it go. And uh, I'd check your pH just to make sure that it's, you know, down in the five and a half range. Um, and 
I think if you'll put the, the, a good dose of phosphorus on it, it will bloom for you next year. What about, and can I just throw something in there real quick? You know, there is a water-soluble plant food, uh, the fertilone blooming and rooting soluble mm-hmm. plant food. It's got like, what, 58% phosphate in yeah. it? Yeah, make your um, sidewalk bloom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. is that something that he could use in the spring, Jim, he as, that he could just pour on the root system? Right. And that would also encourage that gardenia to bloom, That's correct? That's true, yes. Right. Phosphate? Yeah. What, what was the number? It's like a 12, wow. yeah, it's 52 or 58 Man. something. It's got a lot of phosphorus in it. When do, okay, so I've heard about too much phosphorus in the soils, but is that here in Memphis? Yeah. Well, well in some cases, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Memphis soils, anytime you have a soil test run, uh, the phosphate levels, levels were off the chart. That's why typically when you buy a bag of lawn food, for example, mm-hmm. it's going to be like a 2404. You're not going to have any phosphate in there because there's already so much out there. But that doesn't mean in little areas like where you have plants that are not blooming, uh, you can add some phosphate to it, and that will encourage that plant to bloom. And like Jim was saying, you can put a dry formulation down like superphosphate or triple superphosphate that comes in a bag. Mm-hmm. You just apply it and water it in. But if you get that water-soluble, blooming and rooting, soluble plant food that's got 58% phosphate mm-hmm. in it, my God, that'll make a Coke bottle bloom, you yeah. know? And I would want to do that several times, you know, because yeah. you it sounds like a lot of phosphorus, but when you're putting in a, a tablespoon of it in a gallon of water, and you're pouring it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's diluted down <clears throat> fairly significantly. Well, so, you know, all we're doing is stressing the plant. When you give a plant a, a lot of phosphorus like that, it kind of makes it think it's going to die. Uh, it's crazy? not yeah. okay, but in <clears throat> in the response to that is flower. Go ahead and flower, set fruit, reproduce. So in case I die, the species, there's yeah. something else going on. So um, I do it sometimes uh, with dogwoods, young dogwoods that, you know, sometimes they're 10 years before they mm-hmm. bloom. Uh, I do, in fact, I'm doing it one right now on, on some wisteria uh, that's been there for 20 years or so, and it's never bloomed. And we're going to see if we can't fix that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> there's, you know, there's some things like that that you can do this to. Um, and just uh, encourage it to bloom. Hmm. Yeah, I think I would definitely check the pH. Mm-hmm. That would be one good thing to do also, because y'all did mention that it needs to be a little more acidic, and just put some holly tone or something like that around it too. Well, there is a – I was writing down a, some of the new shrubs for 2024. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be new shrubs, uh-huh. new introductions, whether it's annuals, perennials, uh, trees and shrubs, right? Well, in this case, this was just a few of the new shrubs that are going to be out there. And one of them is a new gardenia called Pillow Talk, okay? It gets about three foot tall, four foot wide. But I'm thinking, if you look at the picture of Pillow pillow Talk, I mean, it looks just like, say, jubilation, you mm-hmm. know? But, you know, you then you get to thinking, okay, and then let's say Pinky Winky Prime, Okay. Remember how there was limelight, and then there's limelight prime, Mm -hmm. and then there's pinky winky, and then there's pinky winky prime. Yeah, as they said, that's um, just when the patent runs out of the other one. When the patent runs out, you (laughs) rename the sucker. But but let me just say that this is a few of these shrubs for for night uh, for 2024. Uh, Now this one I really really do like, and y'all need to look at a picture of this unless y'all probably have already seen it before. This is called Star Blast Chiffon. This is a Rose of Sharon. Okay. Star Blast Chiffon. Um, it, 
it's a it's a white bloom and it's got some uh, pink uh, variegation in there. But the center of it looks like just a bunch of little blooms inside the the big bloom. I mean, it is a beautiful bloom. I'm telling you. Uh, and to me, that one really because when a new shrub comes out, if it's kind of like just the same old shrub that I've seen for a hundred years, so what? You know. Uh, okay, it might have one more leaf on it. I don't care about that, but this thing really looks good, this Star Blast Chiffon Rose of Sharon. So that's one to look at. The Pinky Winky uh, Prime Hydrangea. You know, so many of us are planting these paniculata hydrangeas that can take a lot of sun. Uh, the limelights, of course, the little limes and the bobos, those have kind of taken over, those beautiful white blooms we see all spring. But the Pinky Winky, it'll start out white, but then it really fades to a really pretty pink. It's darling. Yeah, Veda, as you know. And even yeah. as it fades to a pink, you can still see some of the white in there. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a white and pink combination, especially as the uh, as the blooms start to fade. And they're swearing up and down that the Pinky Winky Prime, which is available next year, has a much bigger bloom than just the Pinky Winky that's out there now. So, Oh, my goodness. We'll see, okay? <laughs> So keep that one in mind also. Um, and then, you know, you always mention, Veda, which I think is a shrub that's really underutilized, are some of the Wygelias. Uh I mean, Wygelias are really great-looking shrubs. Now, they drop their leaves in the winter like a lot of shrubs do, but when they're in bloom, man, they're really mm-hmm. nice-looking. They have come out with so many. <laughs> yes, they have. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a new one, Veda, another <laughs> one, called Sonic Bloom. Yes. Sonic Bloom Wine. Uh, It has a almost like a a real light, light pink bloom, almost like an anemone if you Mm -hmm. think about it. Uh, And it has uh, darker foliage on it, so it's a contrast between that light bloom and that darker Mm -hmm. foliage. Uh, But if you haven't planted wygelias in your life, that's something that a lot of people just overlook and we never even think about. And some of you might might know the wygelia as the wigula. The wigula. That's right. (laughs) And this is what I wanted to ask y'all too about. This is, you know, the the Champisaferis, you know, mm-hmm. the false cypress. Yeah. Uh, this one is called Cedar Rapids, okay? Uh, it gets about 30 foot tall, about 12 foot wide, pyramid shaped. Um, why, you know, we used to plant Leland cypress everywhere when we wanted that fast growing, mm-hmm. pyramided shaped evergreen, right? Well, why are we not just kind of replacing that mm-hmm. with some of these false cypress? In this case, let's say like Cedar Rapids, that's going to get thirty foot tall, Jim, mm-hmm. and uh, twelve to foot, fifteen foot wide. What is there a drawback or something wrong with that shrub that we that I need to know about that I don't know about? Well, I think it is susceptible to the same ceridium canker. Do you? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Well, I will check into that then. Yeah, because I was just thinking. I they love Chemisifers. Why I mean, don't yeah. we plant these things more Anoki often? Anoki cypress, to me, is one of the prettiest plants yeah. you can have, particularly in a container. Um, and, in fact, one of the most photographed bonsai is a Chemisifers that Russell Martin dug mm-hmm. out of PNS Garden Center, where I worked, back in the early 70s. It's probably done at Brussels right now. Yeah, and it's, you know, he's had it in a pot all these years. Um, <laughs> there were two of them. He got one, I got one. Mine nice. got stolen, um, oh. but it is. It, I think it is one of, if not the most photographed bonsai in the world. And, and let me say this real quick because I know we got to go to a break. Uh, and Jim, it wasn't me that took your bones out. By the way, you're looking at me. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, you know, we we're, we see so many people planting arborvitas now. Okay, mm-hmm. for all the right reasons. I love arborvitas, whether it's the you know the emerald green or the emerald giant that gets even bigger. 
And to me, that kind of what took the place of the Leland Cypress of years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. But I was just thinking, okay, this Chamisopheris, these these fall cypress that look great, and there's so many different varieties out there. This one in particular, because it gets so tall, I'm thinking, why are we not planting these things? So I'm like you, Jim. If they're susceptible to canker, I'll look into that and see if they are. Because we've got like two fall cypress planted in the pots out front here. I've ordered a number of different fall cypress, some that's got some yellow in it. Some of them are dwarf. Yeah, because, I mean, they're going to be great container plants anyway. You'll be getting your drainage and all of that. Um, but I've wondered the same thing because they're so pretty. There's so many, and maybe it just hasn't been marketed. Maybe we're still just stuck on one thing and and haven't really researched this out, but it would be great if it didn't have issues like Leland Cypress. Well, when we get back, there's one more that I wanted to tell y'all about because I know how much Jim loves this type of shrub. You do too, Mm -hmm. Veda. So there's just one. I want to get y'all's opinion. We'll be right back. Y'all can call us at 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back. Call us 901-260-5926 or post a question on our Facebook Live. Yeah, and I was going over some of the, uh, you know, the new shrubs for 2024, and I mentioned Pillow Talk Gardenia. Well, to me, you know, it's just another gardenia, but I have to say that when, you know, many, many years ago, there were really, to me, just two or three. There was, you know, August Beauty. Uh, mystery, mm-hmm. um, and then mm-hmm. what? There was one up, Jim, that we knew that wouldn't come back. Vecchia, we had, yeah, uh, and then Gardenia radicans, the little dwarf one. That's exactly right. It was almost right. like a ground cover. Mm-hmm. But there's so many on the market now, and I love them all. Whether it's the you know the jubilation, you know this sweet tea, uh, the frost proof, uh, fool proof, and on and on and on and on. It seems like uh, that's just another shrub that they're coming out with a new one every year. And this one's like I said, it's called Pillow Talk, and it looks like a gardenia. Okay, <laughs> looks like all the other ones out there. But hopefully, these newer strains uh, they're supposed to be a little more winter hardy. Uh, typically, you get a few more bloom, uh, or maybe another session of blooms on some of these newer hybrids than we did on the old fashioned uh, mysteries and, and uh, the yeah, right. uh, and the August beauties. But this one also, this is the last one. This is called Just Chill Red Tip Camellia, and it's a hybrid. But just chill, red tip camellia. Um, the beauty of this one, guys, when it when it flushes out, it has beautiful. I'm talking about burgundy growth, oh, new cool. growth, Jim. I mean, almost red burgundy new growth. Uh, light pink flowers gets eight to uh, six to eight foot tall and about six foot wide. You know what I'm wondering if it has burgundy new growth. Why did they call it red tip? Well, instead of burgundy tip, yeah. well, red just rolls off the tongue. I guess maybe so, but anyway, no wonder we're confused. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just there again. I mean, there's 8 billion camellias on the market, and Jim probably had one of each in his yard before. <laughs> now he's going to get this Until one Until last year. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Until but last th- year. And this oh. is, to me, you know, like, oh, I'm scratching my head, just another camellia, right? Well, no, this one, actually, if you look at the picture of this thing, it is a nice-looking camellia. Now, Having said that, all these things that I just mentioned, uh, you know, the one I think I love the most, I'm telling you, is that uh, Rose of Sharon called Star Blast Chiffon. I'm telling you, that thing looks really good. But all of these 2024 editions, a lot of times we might be able to find them next year. We might not be able to because Mm -hmm. a lot of times you just can't get your hands on them, Jim, even though they're talking about them, Veda, Mm -hmm. for the next year. They haven't grown enough sometimes. You know, they're going too fast, or they just didn't quite get ready. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and when they produce these things you know, and have a, a date that they're going to preview on the market, they produce some, but 
they never know whether that advertising is going to sell all of those or not. That is true. So they underproduce them almost every time. Mm-hmm. The second year, they go, oh, hey, we ran out. Let's yeah. grow more. You know, and, yeah. and they do that, and they become more readily available. So, And then, then they run out of the patent, and then, then other everybody people can, buys them, mm-hmm. and then they all come in different names after that. But the Just <laughs> Chill uh, Red Tip Camellia made me think of both of y'all. Uh, because it's not just another green camellia, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, because I love camellias. I really yeah. do. Um, but this has that beautiful, I mean, really dark burgundy red new uh, growth and those really, really like beautiful that. pink flowers. Is it uh, japonica? It Sambanka? says hybrid. It says X. So it's going to be just a hybrid. Uh, now, it doesn't say what the parents are. What's you know. that mean? It's just a hybrid. It's not a japonica. It's not a sedanqua. Well, uh, it, it's going to be a cross between something there. One of those yeah. other, oh, yeah. So you, yeah. But yeah. just looking at okay. the picture, the leaves looked a little smaller, so it's probably a cross between a sedanqua. I don't know that for sure, mm-hmm. but um, we'll have to see what this thing looks like. So if we hybrid, like. if it's a cross, then we get blooms in spring and fall? No. <laughs> I wish. I know, right? <laughs> that ain't going to happen. So, so many things. Okay, so... That's some great plants to look for. Yeah. So I'm going to read an article on crabgrass from 1925. On crabgrass? Yeah, on crabgrass. Just get the MSMA and go for it, right? <laughs> okay, this guy, it's an article that they've published a number of times because it was uh, hilarious then. A few months ago, I promised to conduct a sale of crabgrass in August. <laughs> <laughs> and I just don't have the heart to do it. Thank goodness. I wouldn't even wish it on my worst enemy, a tuft of crabgrass, which looks like this. And he shows a picture. Not even an atom bomb could bring more havoc than a load of crabgrass seed. In two weeks, the curse could not only cover a war plant from door to door, but could clog up all the machinery and even snare by their legs any workers who happened to be caught in the crabgrass path of advance. In cities, drainage and water pipes would be rendered useless. And before long, the streets and railways would be matted in layers with crabgrass two feet thick. Men and women (laughs) would be choking to death as crabgrass seeds crowded oxygen from the air. That is the bane of a lot of people's just existence is crabgrass, especially if you want a nice yard. 1925, this article. But I was curious. I tried to find some more details like why did he even promise to conduct a sale of crabgrass? And then he was like, I can't do it. Well, this was actually in a in Scott's lawn, put this out because they had their own book you know, it's one of those. in the early 1900s. So, see, that Scott's Long salesman. They produced that book for a long time. In fact, yeah. I have a 1963, 64 version of it. Really? Yeah. Of course, what Veda's reading almost 100 years ago. Yeah, that's where I got this article And from, think about yeah. it. If you had a lawn that was nothing but crabgrass, you know, you could live with that. Because you're cutting nothing mm-hmm. but crabgrass, and you're looking, for not, you're looking at nothing but crabgrass. But if you've got a lawn that's Bermuda or Zoysia, and you've got crabgrass in it... Yeah, then it's so... No, yeah. that stuff has got to go. He obviously has never had nutsedge. <laughs> oh, well, Jim. Well, okay. <laughs> we'll throw that one over there. I've actually had people throughout the years... Uh, take pictures of a be- of a crab grass lawn, and they wanted that because it seemed. He said, "Oh, it's tough. Yeah, it, it's greener, longer. You know." He says, "I never have to spray anything to kill the weeds." But so. <laughs> you know, forever in a day, we were spraying uh, MSMA to kill crabgrass, mostly in Bermuda and Zoysia lawns. 
Well, we know many, many, many years ago, they took MSMA off the market to where homeowners couldn't buy it anymore. And, you know, so that kind of threw a lot of us uh, that, you know, that have a lawn and you don't want crabgrass into turmoil because MSMA really did a good job in getting uh, rid of that, see, they that crabgrass. Used, I meant to look this up. Maybe y'all know what they were recommending because, you know, Scott's has got to tell you what to kill it with. Were they using gasoline back then? No, it's called S-C-U-T-L. Scuttle? Don't know. That's what they were recommending. I didn't look. It's it's the biggest in the news since penicillin. It depends on what the active is in there. Yeah, we have to look that up. S C U T L. Yeah, That's never what heard of they that. They invented to get rid of crabgrass early on. But nowadays, though, Veda, now that we can't use MSMA, we'll go back to scuttle. Uh, well, they went no. to <laughs> they went to a product called quinchloric. Uh, and quinchloric, you know, didn't have the arsenic in it, which is the reason they took uh, MSMA, of course, off the market for homeowners. But quinchloric is typically mixed with a broadleaf weed killer. And what that means is, yeah, it does, it kills crabgrass and it also kills broadleaf weeds, but you can't use it when it's above 86 degrees, right? Yeah, right. So you can only use it in the spring and fall. And that was throwing people for fits. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the other way to look at it, and a very smart way to look at it, is to put the pre emergence down. And the pre-emergence would keep the crabgrass seed from coming up to start with. So people had to almost alter mm-hmm. the way they looked at crabgrass, and, and especially the way that they tried to eradicate it because of these chemicals that we can't get anymore. Yep. It's always a challenge. And I love a challenge or I would be so bored. <laughs> All right, y'all. Just hang on a little bit. And then we're going to come back for the last hour of the Mid-South Garden. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to the third hour of In the Garden with Veda, Mid-South Garden with Veda, Kenneth, and Jim. Good morning to you once again, Miss Veda, and good morning to you, Mr. Jim. Howdy, howdy. If you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926, or shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 uh, Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. And y'all check out your independent garden centers. Uh, look on their Instagrams, their Facebook pages, and all of that, where you can get some really good, reliable information and find out what's going on in the garden center. Because um, I know y'all got stuff happening. Yeah, a lot like, of stuff going on. Everybody's got stuff happening. And so if you want to figure it out, come see us. Yeah, we're done, kind of a recap. We'll be talking about the first two hours. Uh, you know, we know we got a cold front coming in, so people be aware. Get your tender stuff, especially your house plants. Get them inside. Uh, you know, I always like to spray mine down, uh, you know, with just a good generic insecticide before I bring them in. We mentioned neem oil. It's not the only one that you can use. You can use hort oil. You can use a permethrin. You know, there's a lot of good, safe insecticides that you can use uh, before you bring your houseplants in. But go ahead and try to, y'all, plan on this now. Don't wait for the last second to get these things inside. It is the last second. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're there. We just didn't believe it was going to happen. Good point. And it's time progressed. We're like, oh, it's happening. And we were talking about, Veda, about, uh, you know, the bulbs that were forced to bloom inside, the amaryllis and the paper whites. Uh, you know, they're available. They're ready to go. You can go ahead and start those anytime you want. Uh, the other bulbs, the the other daffodils, narcissus, the minor bulbs, uh, the hyacinths, and so forth, go ahead and start getting those planted outside. Uh, and then trees and shrubs. This is a perfect time of year to plant trees and shrubs. Uh, cold front coming through, no yeah. no problem whatsoever. Trees, shrubs, perennials, yes. vines. 
And then yeah. annual color, you know, your fall color, your your pansies, your violas, ornamental cabbage, ornamental kale, snapdragons, dianthus, all of those things you can uh, get in your containers or get in the ground for that beautiful fall color. Now, these things will stick around till, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like they, they, they die in the fall, late fall, early winter. These things make it through the winter and bloom again really good next spring. And a lot of these pansies, violas, they, they'll bloom until it gets hot next year. Right. In a little bit, I'll give you all some ideas for containers, mm-hmm. big containers, small containers. Um, so I read something, and I want to see what if this is accurate. Use copper pennies to gauge soil acidity. Huh? I know. If the penny turns bright green after being buried mm-hmm. in the soil for a day... One day, okay. One day. No, I don't believe this. Your soil's likely acidic. If it remains copper color, your soil's more alkaline. I'm going to try that out and let you know. For one day. Is, is it going to change this? It, if it's acidic, will it change the color in one day? Now, Jim, what do you think? I might have tried out. I mean, copper. Out? Yeah, it, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but how much copper is in a penny nowadays? I was, oh, that's a good that. question. I was thinking that you when know, I was honestly, reading I mean, this. The copper's not, I mean, I understand there's not much silver in dimes and quarters and nickels. Is there such thing as copper pennies? <laughs> no. And copper's hardly expensive nowadays, so I don't know how much know, copper's in a penny. I don't, I don't know why we still make them. It costs more than a penny to make one. Yeah, yeah. yeah it does, that. doesn't what, it? I've heard know, that. Even I understand that that's uh-huh. not right. <laughs> well, somebody else is making more than pennies they off of continuing to make pennies. When we don't need them. I'm going to try that, though. I'll let you know what happens. I'm but I'm assuming that the soil needs to be wet also. So you're going to you got a pH meter to check to see what it actually is? Yeah, right, right. That's what we're going to have to do. No, but I can take some soil into. I mean, because when we talk about acidic soil, we're talking about anything under 7. That's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's true. So it could be 6, 8. Which is perfect for most yeah. things. But maybe not enough. Right. It yeah. might have to be up over 7 to actually not mm-hmm. turn green on you. Makes sense, and that so. Hmm. I'm See, still there's curious, these things though. you always got to watch for. You really start need to analyze this stuff. And then, are we getting jumping worms here in Memphis? I've heard there's jumping. Well, yeah, somebody took a picture and put some on our on our Facebook group yeah. there. Well, first um, of all, tell me what a jumping worm. Well, a jumping worm is an invasive Asian species that has been introduced into the United States. They are different from earthworms in that when an earthworm goes through the ground, he eats the dirt and he eats the organic matter and then passes out what's left. Right. Okay. Whereas these only eat organic matter, which technically takes away everything that your microbes need to function and leaves your soil pretty much lifeless. Crazy. Um, They look like a regular earthworm, except they jump a lot. But, I mean, I have worms that jump a lot and they're not jumpers. But look for the the what's called the clitellum. That's that little band around one end of the of the Usually worm around the head part. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's if it's white, then it's pretty much you got a jumper. Okay. And she took a video of one, and I really kind of question whether it was because it doesn't uh-huh. look to me to mm-hmm. be one. That mm-hmm. was my thoughts too. I was getting confused. I'm yeah. thinking, but that doesn't look like one. The but, lower left picture. Yeah does indeed look like a jumper. But we do know for a fact that they are here in the United States, and they're in quite a few yeah, different they're states. In, they're actually in 34 different states. Lord. Yeah. See, I remember seeing this, the cotellum, is that what you call Cotellum. It? cotellum mm-hmm. The white band around it. I remember seeing those on worms forever ago because I was curious on why some had that, some didn't. 
But um, to me, right. you know, your old-fashioned worm who we love because they're doing they're great things yeah. to our soil yeah. and producing earthworm castings, which are wonderful, is they usually have more of a pinky-red right. band. And where we have, we have these, red jumpers, you know, <clears throat> right. um, that have always been here, you know. Uh, they're the ones that you just absolutely cannot get on a hook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the so, ones I had. Right. We have nightcrawlers. We have a number of vari- a number of species of worms. Um, but the jumper is is not really, a good worm. It, when it moves through a forest, it can do nasty things. Wow. Right, so, so, but I mean, Jim, would it ever beta become so much of a problem? Let's say you would, Lord forbid, if you get one in your yard, if you get a, a thousand in your yard. I mean, I guess it's something that you don't want, but it, would it ever really become a problem just for a homeowner? Well, it, it could. Um, you know, if they have worked through your flower bed and removed all the organic material. Got it. Um, that's not a good, healthy environment for the plant because uh, you, you're missing, uh, you're going to miss a lot of the microbes that are necessary for the plant to have nutrient re- Lord. Uh, absorption. Yeah. So, you know, this is, would be a case where, you know, if you know you got them, I probably would do some um, dialogues or just maybe dialogues and kill them off, but at least add organic matter, you know, putting some got it. humus, I mean, some. Um, Compost, compost or yeah. something like that on it every year or so. I was uh, wondering if we could kind of counteract it by doing that. Yeah, I think so. Wow! So now we got to watch out for for earthworms. Who would have Who would have thought it? I mean, my God! It's everything else out there. You know, if it's uh, you know it's Japanese beetles and it's fire ants, and now it's you know we're uh, you know worms. yeah the jumping worms are giving our you know our good worms a bad name. Mm-hmm. You know. Good Lord. Lantern flies. Right. I mean, so many yeah. things. Longhorn beetles that have moved into into the states. Crape myrtle bark scale you know, that we didn't used to have. Well, on you know, they always say bringing in um, ornamentals mm. or things that aren't native is how we get all our other insects and other things. But I guess that's earthworms i guess they came in the jumping earthworms they, you said they were from yeah they were Asian. brought in from somehow yeah. you know in in livestock but we get so many of the wood boring insects in pallets that come in freight yeah. um oh. you know and it's impossible to keep oh, you mean that. like the pallets that um, we put right. our product on absolutely they're in the, the pallets? They're they're in come the in wood. from overseas oh. yeah they come I in in furniture because oh. they're in the wood uh-huh. um so yeah hmm. That's how we've gotten a significant amount of our wood-boring insects. Oh, I guess I was thinking they were coming in on unhealthy trees, but I didn't think about pallets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, my word. And they hitch a ride on cargo ships and everything else. There's mm-hmm. just, it, it's pretty tough to keep these exotic bugs mm-hmm. uh, and mammals and fish, you know, just out of, out of here. Just it really is. traveling just like we are. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to a break. So if y'all have any questions, just give us a call, 901-260-5926. We, uh, we want to thank the many supporters of uh, Mid-South Garden, uh, particularly one of our sponsors, Palladio Home and Garden, who's been with us, I think, pretty much from the beginning, and, and also our partners, uh, one of which is Herbis Systems, which is a longtime friend of of mine and this uh, and this show and and uh, I think probably probably if well no not probably they are they are the best uh, 
in the business. Um, they have always gone the extra mile as far as uh, new technology, and uh, it's. Uh, it, I had a pretty interesting inform, uh, talk with him one time. He said when he he, he built his new <laughs> building years ago, um, the, the guy said, "What kind of?" He asked some one of the state inspectors, "What kind of rules they have?" <laughs> you know, as far as storage, and he said, "It's got to be in a closet." And say that again. Yeah, it just the, the chemicals have to be stored in a closet. But, I mean, they didn't have any real, you know. So, I mean, he did the extra stuff of, like, pouring a special, uh, covering his concrete with a special covering so that when they wash their trucks, that water is collected and that material is put back into the truck. So you're saying they again. go the extra mile, Jim. Right, and he didn't have to do that. Yeah. I mean, it cost him a lot of money to do it and do it right. Well, uh, So I've, uh, I'm a big fan of Herbis. But if you think they only take care of people in Memphis, you're wrong, Ms. Veda and Jim. They take care of people in Arlington, Atoka, Bartlett, Carryville, Germantown, Lakeland, Millington, Mumford, Oakland, and or Somerville. And that really, that is the whole general of course, area that we're talking about here, uh, and they'll gladly come out to any of those areas, regardless of where you live, and take care of your gardening problems and your lawn problems. And then they, you know, we always ask, what kind of lawn or insect problems are you having? Do you have fire ants? They'll take care of those. Uh, weeds, of course, we know they're the experts at taking care of weeds. Uh, brown spots, bare spots, any of those problems that you potentially have, Herbie Systems would be there to take care of those problems. Yeah, the uh, Let Me Kill Your Weed guys at Herbie <clears throat> System can solve all the problems. They've been making the Mid-South landscapes for beautiful for like 39 years. Yeah, almost 40 years That's in business. crazy. Locally owned, which is great. Mm-hmm. And has a team that maintains over 11,000 customer property. 11,000. That's unbelievable. And also, they don't just take care of your lawn. Uh, they're maintaining your trees and your shrubs also. Uh, maintaining your lawn can be a very complicated process. We all know that. And whether you're dealing with insects or you just need to aerate your lawn, Herbie Systems has your back. So the best lawn care program in Memphis, Let Me Kill Your Weeds, has never sounded so good. Yeah. For a free quote this week, tell them you heard about Herbie Systems on The Garden Show or just say KWAM. Yeah, and if you want to give these guys a call, and they are the experts, 901-390-9898. Write that down, guys, 901-390-9898. Of course, that's the number for Herbie Systems. All righty, let's go to Dwight calling from Bartlett. Good morning, Dwight. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. Uh, my son lives in Arlington, which doesn't have anything to do with the conversation, but uh, <laughs> he's got a couple of trees, and uh, they're maples. And uh, I don't know what kind of maples, but uh, he asked me. Uh, they've been in the ground a few years, and, and they certainly need to. Uh, they're too low to the ground, and he asked me about it. And uh, I, I have a maple, and it, I just did it on my own, and uh, I, I didn't know what I was doing. But it, right now, it looks great. It's a maple, and it, it's got a white bark, and it's uh, uh, like uh, I have a four-bedroom house, and it's a little higher than the house, mm-hmm. and. Uh, mm-hmm. Quite a lot higher than the house, and the I've got it pruned up to. I just went out and looked at it now up to the top of the house, mm-hmm. and I like the look of that. But uh, I just haphazardly got it to that, I guess. But I told him at least you want to since this isn't to the top of his house yet. I said you uh, probably want to at least get it to where you can. Uh, 
walk under. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right, right. At least, yeah. Yeah, because it's all, right. sometimes it's a preference. Sometimes it's versus how much grass you're trying to grow under your tree on how high you limit up. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, mm-hmm. definitely, at least enough where you can mow under it, walk under it. But there's nothing wrong with it being cut up like 10 feet in the air. 15 feet in the air. No, yeah, no. yeah, I agree with them. I mean, the only tree that I would not think about limbing up is probably going to be a southern magnolia. Right. I want those limbs oh, down yeah. on the ground, holding, you know, hiding every <laughs> leaf that drops off that thing and hiding that root system down there. But maples, uh, most people are, you know, if they need to, taking some of those bottom limbs off, just to what you call, Vaden, Jim, just to limb it up. Yeah, and if if one were to come up in the wild over time, those lower limbs die off naturally. And if you okay. if you go through the woods, you'll see that you know the first limb is usually ten, twelve, fifteen feet off the ground. So that, that's kind okay. of a natural process. Don't don't hesitate, take them off. Yeah. Now it's not something Dwight that he has to do by any means, but I think just for as far as aesthetics, you know, I would. I think yeah, that's what I'd like to do. And would you think basically uh, at least a third? Should go. No, I'm like you. I think, you know, like Jim was saying, just being able to walk up under it, you know, 10 or 12 mm-hmm. foot, you know, that's going to look absolutely normal. Now, if you go out there and start cutting too much of the bottom limbs off, right. you stand back and look at that thing, you're like, oh, my God, what happened to the bottom part of this tree? You know, it looked look weird. It looks more like a mushroom than it does a tree. So <laughs> that's not what you want. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, but anyway, I, I, and also I told him, like uh, one of them he bought from a, a nursery, and I said, I don't know that, but I said, I bet they'd be glad to have you take a picture of it mm-hmm. and and, and uh, give you some general idea how far up to go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if you're a member of a group, he can post one on there and just tag me in it, and I'll take okay. shoot the picture off, and I'll mark where the limb mm-hmm. should come off and then send it right back. Yep. Okay. Uh and uh, also uh, tomatoes, you know, uh, I had a second growth, and they're, they're all, nothing has found there. <laughs> so they're all not, but they're green. Now, well, uh, you better make sure you go ahead them. and start, yeah, start yeah. picking those things, Dwight, because, you know, come Monday and Tuesday night, you know, they're not going to like that cold weather that's coming through here. I know I'm going to get them today, but what can I do with them? I mean, I know, right? Just look at them. <laughs> they'll ripen on their own. Just set them. You know, if you can give them some well, sun, that'll in a window that'll speed them up. But you know, just uh, you can put them in a bag, set them on the counter, but they'll ripen on their own. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll I'll be picking and bagging. And yeah. also, the last thing we'll say to you, Dwight, you were talking about your son's tree. We know how sons always lean on their dads to cut the limbs off the trees. You just make sure you got a good sharp saw and be ready to go. Okay, thank you. All, All right, right buddy. thanks for the call. Bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. Dwight. I was thinking he was meaning, what do I do with all these tomatoes now? Like, give them away, put them in salads. But you know, I'm fried thinking, green tomatoes. Heck yeah, yeah Jim. Ooh, yeah, mm, yep. delicious. So maybe I would just cut them off and let and leave them on the vine. <laughs> just cut the whole plant and bring it in and let it take that last bit of nutrients. But, I mean, where they are right now, it doesn't really make a difference, well, I think, on helping them ripen up more. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like, if I can't take, instead of picking them all, just take the whole plant in, cut it at ground level, yeah. some of it, so it can still take the nutrients from the foliage to the plant. 
So you go, you walk inside Veda's, uh, you know, walk inside her house, and she's got these, uh, you know, these tomato plants mm-hmm. that have been yanked up from the ground, Jim's laying there on her kitchen table, yeah, or yeah. hanging upside down, you know, <laughs> in That's the garage. That's what I'm going more something. with the hanging. Up. I'm looking for the look. You know mm-hmm. how you see the Martha Stewart look, or these cute little indoor sheds, she sheds, and they've got dried stuff hanging and potted stuff and it's just so awesome well i'm recreating that with the tomatoes yeah she is well <laughs> you know i told you that my neighbor had to cut their cryptomeria down that were dead from mm-hmm. last year in fact i don't know you know of any live cryptomeria left here in shelby county i'm sure there's some few out there so these beautiful azaleas that i had against this fence and her cryptomeria were right on the other side of the fence and they were big these were, were like the yoshinos they did they get really big yeah, jim right and, of course, now they're gone. And now these azaleas are getting full, baking, blazing sun. Uh, and I was out there watering the other night because we know how bone dry everything is. And lace bug have just set up shop So you on didn't these take things. our recommendation and go ahead and pull them out because we know they were going to fry. You didn't take our recommendation, did you? Mm-mm. They're no. staying. They're going to stay there. Now, <laughs> they gonna, might. They're really going to see if you can. They're going to stay there. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm going to find something that I can plant in between them. Uh, you know, to create more shade or cre- create some shade mm-hmm. uh, on them. I just haven't figured out what I'm going to do yet. But, y'all, I'm just telling you, if you got azaleas other than encores that are growing in a lot of sun, uh, you're going to get lace bug. And mm. it didn't take long for these lace bug to find these azaleas mm-hmm. either. Banana trees? <laughs> yeah. That's an option. That's mm-hmm. not mine. Yeah. That is an option. Mm-hmm. And I've get already shade got, quick. I've already got some of those. Uh, I've told mm-hmm. you I'm going to cut back today, as a matter of fact. So, Hmm, maybe. Vines, you could do a trellis <clears throat> above the fence and let vines grow up. Yeah, but these, um, I mean, I, I really need something that's going to kind of hang over. Yeah, like these a is, tulip poplar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, transplant them uh, in front. Yeah, transplant Ooh, them to the... Y'all are, I tell you what, We're not it's good to have friends. At, <laughs> We're not helping you at all. But I am going to find something to stick in there because I'm telling uh. you, these, uh, these things that were... Very healthy at the beginning of the year, and now that they're getting full baking, blazing sun, and they're not used to that at yeah. all, uh, they are getting riddled with these uh, lace bugs. But you're going to do it this year. I mean, wouldn't you plant in the fall just to get faster ahead? Uh, maybe I, I mean I should, but I'm probably going to wait till spring, but just to give me more time. I just don't have time to do oh. it uh, this time of year. But I'm I'm going to have to plant something out there. Honestly, to give these azaleas a little uh, relief because they're getting that that baking afternoon sun. And I know, we all know, that's just not the best place for an old-fashioned azalea. Uh, A a maple. You could do a couple of maples. I could. A a quicker growing thing. Coral bark maple. I wonder if they would be. Well, probably not give you enough shade. Yes. I wonder if that would. You know, and I don't want to turn my backyard into a tropical paradise, but y'all mentioned those banana trees. You know, I know how fast those things grow, and they would, I mean, short-term anyway, yeah, they would create some shade back there. Because you mm-hmm. could. You could plant your long-term, mm-hmm. but do the short-term. with. Because I can see how you don't really want to have bananas mixed with your azaleas. That's just a total different look. It is. But sometimes to get it through, do it. Yeah, and, and the lace bug that's out there now, in fact, you know, a lot of people would go out there and spray oil sprays. Uh, to kill mm-hmm. a lot of these overwintering insects. Now, you don't want to use it if it's freezing or near freezing, but other than that, oil sprays, this is a perfect time of year to get that more done. More fertilizer, more compost, more water, more work. Yep. We'll make it. We'll be right back.
There's Beta dancing again. Well, you just got to give this group a minute to listen to how good that is. If you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926. We've got about 20, 25 minutes. It's not too late to give us a call. 901-260-5926 or shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, uh, Mid-South Gardening. And like we always say, if you want to listen to the podcast when you're out there pulling weeds, you can come over to my house and do it if you want. Uh, KWinnerRadio.com, streaming live all the time. Okay, so we were going to talk about containers, because you can do containers for all year round. Sure. You can do large containers, small containers, and mostly it's, we talk a lot about, you know, snapdragons and pansies and um, your filler, thriller, spiller and all. But you can do, man, you could do like a shrubscape <laughs> in mm-hmm. a container. Mm-hmm. And then the thing is, is after you're finished with them, you plant them in your landscape. I mean, think of this one for shade. Cast iron plant. Mm-hmm. That's tall, green, evergreen. Some ajuga, like you could do purple or burgundy. Chocolate chip, any of those. Yeah. yeah. Creeping Jenny, that gives you the yellow. Which I love it. Put some Carex grass in there. That's evergreen, ever white, ever yellow. <laughs> Put some of that in there. And then the blue rug juniper. The blue or the blue Pacific is my best one. I Which love is that the one. same as shore, I believe. Yeah. Short juniper. Yeah. So see that? All that stuff's evergreen. All that stuff's uh, part sun, part shade. All that stuff can be planted in your garden somewhere later if you don't want to keep it in your container or all this stuff can stay in a big container oh, year yeah. round. Oh heck yeah, it yeah, can. Yeah. Or let's go to another. I like that one, one Veda, as as more like you said for kind of a high shade yeah. uh, container. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the run of the mill pansies and volas, which yeah. I love. Don't get me right, wrong. Right. But that is a the, any of those mm-hmm. and all of those, and even a mix of those would yeah. be really nice in a container. I always plant closer together in the winter because there's less of a growing season, and they're not going to be flushing out like they do in the summer. So I do plant more in the winter. Mm-hmm. You should see how many plants I got in a trough basket. <laughs> I can imagine. A lot. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, a lot. Um, or let's go with um, a little more, I guess, native-looking ornamental grass, yeah. woolly thyme, autumn joy sedum. Mm-hmm. So those three, that would be such different textures and smells and different accents. I mean, you can always plug in some snapdragons, plug in some pansies. Um, another container would be the cast iron plant, Linton Rose. Mm-hmm. Helleborus, yeah. Yeah. And look at Jim. You've got the Helleborus list in the files now? Do you have the uh, Linton Rose? You know, I think it is in there. But the Seems beauty of like the Helleborus, which is a perennial, as we all know, it's it's more or less like an evergreen perennial. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't die yeah. down like uh, some of the other perennials do. Right. So put the Burgundy Ajuga, Linton Rose, Cast Iron, and some Snapdragons. Yeah. So that's for that one. Now, there's Dwarf Cast Iron Plant. Yeah. Yeah, also, which is like a good, I guess the words are good to use is filler. So you could use a tall shrub like the false cypress. Oh, you know, even it's pretty, just an evergreen plant, yeah. and then English ivy around the bottom. Oh, absolutely it is. Yeah, just, just simple like that. So you can, I mean, then there's other things, just like, um, let's think, dwarf mondo. We never think about using mondo grass in mm-hmm. containers, but I use the top, the thin blade tall mm-hmm. one, and it's so airy. Even the you, dwarf as fillers yeah. is, is great. And the, and the way that I plant is I start with a couple of the big things first, mm-hmm. and then I just start plugging stuff in. Man, when my mother would do containers, I would watch her flatten those root balls. Yeah. 
squeeze like, that thing the in there. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, Kenneth, y'all done it, and you slide it down squeeze in there. Squeeze that thing in there. Push. I'd see yep. her. She was little. She was short. And she, I'd see her feet come off the ground. She's pushing that stuff down in that container so hard. But she did the best containers. Um, blue fescue grass. Mm-hmm. I have got blue fescue grass. No, it's the carex, the, the carex, the blue carex. It does incredible here. It has no problems, and uh, we never think about using that. You see, I like the way you're thinking out of the box, though, because you're mm-hmm. you're thinking about hey, th- th- there are more than one way to fill containers for fall and winter interest. Well, like we're getting, we have a Christmas order is what we call it for Christmas, but it's all these evergreen things that you can use, and we're getting evergreens in like quart size. So you can plug them into your containers. You don't necessarily have to get a big three gallon to stick in there. Like gold fault cypress, lemon cypress, Mm percumens junipers, midget arbovitas, Mm -hmm. tassel fern. Yep. Um, Love it. It's one of my favorite ferns. Yeah. Uh, Autumn fern, rosemary, boxwoods. Uh, So yeah, and we can just plug stuff together. So you can think way outside of the box. Just don't think pansies. Cabbage, snapdragons, veal. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's, you like I said, it. there's so many other yeah. things they did, and that's that's neat uh, that you brought all that up because I've seen you do it before, honestly. Uh, and it, it's a different looking, but it's it's a nice, beautiful, hardy, mm-hmm. evergreen winter container. And like yeah. you said, leave the things in there forever if you want, mm-hmm. or if you don't like, if you want to put something else in there in the spring, take those things yeah. and plant them. My trough garden that is 24 inches wide or long, you Keep know what a trough long. garden mm-hmm. is, that hangs on the wall. I have a festive St. John's wart mm-hmm. on a trellis, actually. That's how they came in um, for the, uh, like the center. So I've got St. John's wart in there. I have Creeping Jenny, Mondo Grass, Four <laughs> Snapdragons, for a juga, yeah. Um, I've got that. There's two other large. Oh, thyme. I've got the woolly yeah. thyme in there too. Now, how but long would that woolly thyme hold up? All through the winter. I mean, yeah. just it'll just it'll mow just, right on right, through it. Yeah, right, yeah. So uh, I have a bunch crammed in there, and it looks so good. But all of it's going to survive. And she's lost her mind, Jim. She's mixing herbs with evergreens, mm-hmm. evergreens with annuals. But I say that's what I love about it, though, because you don't have to stick with just just right. annuals, just perennials. To, we don't sell hardly any bulbs, just pi- paper whites and amaryllis. So I might have to go to Dan West or Bendit Garden somewhere and to get me some tulip bulbs yeah, stick to put in there. In, there yeah. in that container too. But now uh, here's the thing, though, y'all. What should I do? I just potted, planted this up. It's gorgeous. But we're going to drop so fast, so hard. I'm kind of right. nervous. Should I bring that in to keep it tip-top looking? Or do you think I'm just going to It would make survive, it but I think, you know, for the retail uh, appearance, mm-hmm. I think it would be better to protect it. That's what I'm thinking. So that on, you know, next weekend it will look really good yeah. instead of like I've been through cold weather. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> we want that to happen at your house. Not We yeah. want you to buy it. Not looking like I went through cold weather. So uh, all these containers and stuff we've potted up, I might bring in. Or what if I just threw, like, frost cloth over it? Yeah, but Probably I mean... Probably would be fine. You know, there's a yeah. difference between yeah. you trying to sell a product and just a homeowner having a product mm-hmm. trying to just keep it, you know, viable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, 
you know, because we know we got cold weather coming. And the problem is, even like last year, it's not really the cold. I mean, that was the problem, but it's how fast it got cold. Well, same thing right now, Jim. We've had warm weather. Unusually warm weather. You know, right, for the last three or four weeks. Ten degrees above normal. Right. And then all of a sudden we get this little cold zip in here, so... You know, it's it's not going to be the flash freeze that we saw last year. We haven't got to that point yet. Now, let's hope we don't ever again in my lifetime. But there could be some damage uh, on some tender plants out there if they're not protected or if they're not right. brought in. So we'll go to a break just a smidge early. So, you know, we always like to have people, they seem to call at the last minute. So we're giving you a minute to call at the last minute. 901-260-5926. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Yep, and let me say this real quick before we go to Mr. Paul from Bartlett over there. We know that with a lot of evergreens, eventually you're going to have some leaf drop. Those leaves usually turn yellow before they drop out, whether that's a holly, an azalea, and on down the line. I have seen a lot of yellow leaves in evergreens here lately, late summer, because I guess, Jim, because it's been so dry, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's not uncommon, guys, to see some yellow leaves uh, on evergreens. It's not uncommon some years to see more yellow leaves on evergreens turning yellow and just falling off that uh, plant. Now, we do say water is needed. You know, you can put a uh, good fertilizer down, like milorganite or plant tone or holly tone or something, even now and then feed them really good next year. But just remember, evergreens, every leaf does not stay green year-round, every year, every day. There are some natural shedding processes going on, and I'm seeing more of it this year uh, than I have in years past. Now, let's say for as an azalea, for example, you can have every leaf turn yellow and fall off. As long as those leaves at the very tips of the limbs, the, the, the end of the limb, as long as they stay good and green up there, you're fine. Right, right. You're good. Um, we had a caller that we'll get to, or a texter that we'll get to after we talk to Mr. Paul, but she had a question on, she has arborvitas that were planted this spring, and now they're getting brown spots in it. Mm. I don't know if that's what you were referring to, but we can get more details No, on that. that's completely different. So. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So let's go to Mr. Paul first. Good morning. You're in the garden. Good morning, Veda, Kenneth, and Jim. Hey, my friend. And good morning to you, Mr. Paul. And I'm just glad to know that you still get up a little early, you know, because <laughs> here it is, 848, and we're just now hearing from you. Well, but I've been listening to you ever since 6. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't prove that, though, right? That's, that's no, the... you cannot. Don't check, don't check my computer. Oh, you don't want me to ask Jan? <laughs> oh, I love yeah, it. You could ask her. She keeps up with it. And I don't she... know. I, I thought she got banned off of Facebook this morning for some of them comments. No, I love it. What but... Jim was talking about. <laughs> well, you sound great. You sound great, Mr. Paul, and I hope you're feeling good, buddy. Well, I, I'm I'm great, me and the pups outside, so everything's good. When's the rain going to hit? When is the rain going to hit? Because um, I was I'm, excited. I'm going to say four to five this afternoon. Okay. Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to count on that, and I won't put Jazzy up until until about four o'clock. Then see what amazes me is <laughs> y'all's conversation this morning is all about this cold weather, yeah. and which I know it's the interesting conversation right now. 
but there ain't a thing in the world we can do about it. Nope. And Jan wanted to know a while ago if I needed stuff to bring in the house. Well, I don't have room to put my <laughs> sea oats in the house, <laughs> and I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be all right out here anyway. But I've got n- everything in the greenhouse mm-hmm. is hard is winter hardy season. Except for one thing, I got some ghost plant. I'm gonna to have to set on the ground, I guess, and maybe cover up. But it's the only tropical thing I've got out there. But everything else is fine. I mean, they're on their own. I I cannot, do, Jim. I admire you for spending a day moving stuff inside, <laughs> and bless your heart that you got room to put it inside. It's but true. my inside room played out years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I hear where he's coming from. And even the stuff that's hardy, you know, uh, like you're talking about Mr. Paul's, some of the sedums and so forth that are definitely winter hardy. I mean, if they get a little burn on them, so what? Oh, no, Mr. Paul, when I was talking about all the containers, I did not say sedum. You you didn't mention that. And there's so many colors available, you know, and textures. uh, Ooh, good thing you called, Mr. Paul. Sedum. Sedum's another great container plant. Very good. But I, mean, I can tell you this, though, Mr. Well, thank you, Mr. Paul, but I can tell you this. I mean, I told a lady yesterday that if it starts raining when I'm at work, I'm going to lay in the parking lot. I've told you all this and do a rain <laughs> angel. And I said, if you're driving down Popper Avenue, see me laying out there, waving my arms and legs, just keep going. Just leave me alone because that's how bad we need to rain, I'm telling you. We really do. I, I mean, I've seen more leaf drop just from the drought. Yeah. This year than I seems like I've seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. Paul, anyway. we we love you to death, buddy. If we can ever do anything for you other than move in plants, you let us know. <laughs> love you guys. Y'all do a great job. Thanks. Thank See you, my friend. See you. So Vader, you didn't mention sedums. I'm so glad Mr. Paul called. I know because I have sedums in numerous containers. The um lemon ball sedum. Mm, great that one. That one, yeah. And, um, and let me yeah. say this: I forgot to mention that my wife did most of the moving yesterday. Oh, so let me make that snap. perfectly clear yeah. <laughs> about it when I get home. Yes, <laughs> she's shaking her head right now. By the time he did that, yeah. uh, we did have someone text in from the Mighty Nine Ninety Facebook page, Mid South Garden. He said, "I have an arborvitae that was planted this spring, and I'm getting brown spots, like Veda said, in it." Uh, what do you suggest I do? And that's different than having just yellow leaves on evergreens falling out. Uh, like azaleas and hollies and those kind of things. Brown spots, that's usually a root-related issue. Could be. If it's an entire single limb, then I would look at probably a ceridium canker. And it was planted this spring. Yeah. If it's just the tip and there's green beyond it, then I would suspect it's probably Phomopsis tip blight. We're seeing a lot of that. Um, But, you know, without you take a sample of it or take a – picture of it and send it to our our mid-south gardening group uh our facebook group mm-hmm. and uh, and we can get a better de- um, better idea of what's going and on and if it is phenopsis jim what what do you do about well that? what Just you want to do snip is it out of there and you want to clip it out you want to clean your cutters between it cut back into the green wood a mm-hmm. couple of inches uh and then spray with a copper fungicide mm-hmm. or maneb if you've got it and can get it hard to get maneb anymore yeah um but it's um you, you do want to spray it and then again i'd spray it again next spring and then but also and you, like you said you're seeing a good bit of phenopsis yeah. out there because they're under a good bit of stress 
but also watering. I mean, you've got to make sure that you keep these things hydrated, too. Mm-hmm. It has been so dang dry out there, and uh, arbovitis are one of those. You'll get some brown tips if it gets too dry. Uh, and the same thing, the flip side of that is you can't keep them sloppy, sloppy wet. I can't imagine things being too wet out there unless you're just going crazy yeah. overboard. So I've seen it. It's amazing. So in, if you want to post a picture on the Mid-South Gardening page, but y'all, y'all haven't uh, Set yourself joined, up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you go to Facebook, get that uh, magnifying glass search, and then type in Mid-South Gardening USDA Zone. Six, seven, and eight. Right. It'll come up. And Jim, and Jim do you, you just hit hit the button? And you're already. I mean, you're in. Well, if you answer all the questions, you know, um, then yes, you're you're in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just joined yesterday, I suspect you're an advertiser, so you won't get. You're <laughs> yeah. not coming in. Yeah. You know, because you 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 just keep it as clean as you can. To get in to post it, you know, because we got you know over ten thousand followers now, right. so. Um, oh, they're wanting to start advertising because we have so many. Followers. They want to slip that in and offer something, yeah. So, but wait, just a, but just a gardener that wants to get in there, do exactly what Veda said. Right, you're in instant, in, instant. Right, and, and then, then you can take pictures and post them on there and ask right. questions. And you can invite your friends, and if mm-hmm. you invite a friend, they're automatically in. I'll just clear them to go through. Um, so, because I, I trust, I trust our members are, are uh, no. Uh, Good gardeners. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, good. So that's, but that is different seeing those brown tips and my, my phone just ran out of power. So, so what should Pat do? He could, she, he should go in there and cut that out regardless. Regardless, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if you've got a little liquid copper or, or some, um, manganese based fungicides or even, Jim, I mean, would, would propiconazole or daconil or any of those, um, or you're just better I off? I would rather have a fixed metal fungicide. Okay. Yeah. And, and what you, you want to do is always when you cut a limb out if you've got multiple limbs when you cut it out dip your cutters in rubbing alcohol okay. before you go to the next one sterilize okay. that blade between cuts right and we want to make sure you're not passing any spores on to the next one and then okay. make sure your general basic maintenance is make sure these things are getting watered they're mm-hmm. staying hydrated uh make sure you also have good drainage they're not staying sloppy wet you can get a root stimulator and make a solution to that and saturate that root zone once a week for a month in case you have had a little root damage down, down there from either overwatering or underwatering. And then, like you said, Jim, get in there and cut that out and maybe come back and spray. And watch it next spring. Watch the yes. new growth. And if yes. you start seeing any reoccurrence, then could do the same thing, cut out the tips, and then spray immediately. Even right. I can do that. Easy enough. <laughs> yeah, so we'll just get through these little days of this coolness and then go back to a little bit more garden season but don't let this weather tell you not to plant oh no because if you plant trees and shrubs today it's not going to affect it's actually going to be good because we're going to get the rain but then the other thing is since we're so dry and even though it's going to rain we may as well go ahead and do some some prep watering yeah because that way we'll water get the soil you know loosened up where it can well not loosened up but water get it wet so when it rains it can maybe pull the rain down through it a little more instead of rolling off now if we get some good rains we're fine we don't need to go out but there and water yeah. but if it's you know if you no. look at and I hadn't looked at it again this morning mm-hmm. but if there's just a small chance of rain i mean we've been, we've been saying this for the last golly two months right do 
I mean, you got to get that water out there. It's rained two times in two months, guys, mm. and that's it. And it didn't bear, and that was a barely called a rain. Nah, it, so it's yeah. it's bone dry out there. So, but the cold weather, the main thing is make sure you get these tender plants, house plants mostly. Mm-hmm. Get those things inside, get them protected, because if not, you're going to have some damage out there, and you're going to lose some of them if you don't get them in today. Well, lots of fun things to do in the garden, as always. Yeah. <clears throat> so y'all can go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, you can come visit the Independent Garden Centers. You can look at the Facebook page that Jim does for us. And you'll be great to go. And we'll see you next weekend in the Mid-South Garden. <laughs>